okay. S is losing it moment right now. <laughs> so I put Bond getting whacked in the nuts. <laughs> Again with this. Andy, I actually put that too. Uh, Andy, you have a problem. You can check my notes. That's just. Why would I get excited about that, Andy? I didn't. I didn't view it as getting excited. More. That's like, what that means. Losing is because I'm getting excited. Well, I have. I'm like yeah. <laughs> and you think Bond get whacked, and I'm just like yes, yes. Oh. He's doing it. No. Lights. Marker. Action. Welcome, everyone, to Group Films Season 2 premiere. We're so excited to be kicking off this new season with a movie that is just absolutely amazing. Probably a perfect 10 for most of us here. We're excited to be doing Casino Royale. I hope that you guys are a big fan of this movie, because we certainly are. I'm sorry, did you say Season 2? Yeah. Is this Season 2? I was not aware of that. What? (laughs) Okay, stop stop messing with me. Stop How exciting. With me. How exciting. That's awesome. So we've got the usuals here. Brian, Andy, myself, Steven, and uh, we've got Edgar Campos joining us today. Edgar, welcome to Group Film. Glad to have you. Thank you, guys. It's a great honor to be here. We invited Edgar for a reason. He is... Related to me. Yes. Uh, that's one thing. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's the only reason he needed to be, <laughs> to be able to be included. We wanted to include you at a certain point anyway, but uh, Edgar might be the biggest fan of this movie out of all of us here, but we'll see. Our discussion is going to tell all of us a lot about how we feel about this film, especially after having seen it for the however many times we've seen it. We've got uh, our usual categories, and we've got some new things that you guys might enjoy. So story time with Andy is still here, and let's start with uh, Andy's story for today. All right, so a couple weeks ago, an article was published about Denzel Washington's experience meeting the real-life Coach Boone, a character Denzel played in a movie we will be doing on a pod this season. Remember the Titans? Mm -hmm. In the movie, Coach Boone is a tough, no-nonsense kind of guy. And in reality, the movie didn't come even close to accurately portraying just how ridiculous this real Herman Boone is. Oh, wow. So the legendary Jerry Bruckheimer produced the movie and recommended Denzel meet the real Herman Boone, which Denzel, of course, did. Denzel described the meeting as prickly and said, quote, The first thing he tells me is that I'm all wrong for the part, mostly because I'm not handsome enough. <laughs> I think he's kidding me. Then I realize he's dead serious. <laughs> Are he's you a, serious? He's a real old school football coach piece of work. That's great. That and is he great. told me he was going to have my way played at the funeral home for 24 hours when he died. <laughs> and I laughed. Then his wife tells me he's, <laughs> he's actually got it written in his will. Prickly is not the word for this guy. His wife says she's happy I got to meet him after he had mellowed. She said he's about a third as tough as he used to be. Wow. <laughs> so, despite all that, Denzel apparently had no hard feelings toward him and said meeting him was part of the reason he took the role. That is well, that's, cool. That's yeah, cool, Denzel. I mean, it might have put off some other people and be like, I'm not playing this guy. Or I'm going to change things up like I can't play him like he actually is. Well, and that probably fed into like his portrayal of the character, right? Because he's he's pretty tough in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But the point is, even that didn't come close to the real guy. (laughs) And good God, if he's if Denzel Washington isn't handsome, God help all of us. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I like that story. And uh, listeners, you won't have to wait long to hear our takes on Remember the Titans. That's actually our next podcast after this. Which Which you would know if you listened to the groupies. Yeah, yeah, you would. You would. 
Okay, let's get to the no cap recap. This is where we summarize the film. We're going to be each taking turns reading uh, what Andy has uh, put together for us. So if you have not seen this magnificent film, Casino Royale, I would ask you, please stop the podcast right now. Find some time to watch it either tonight or later this week. Please watch it. It's so, so, so good. And um, if you have seen it, well, we're just going to give you a little summary now. Let's start the no cap recap. James Bond is a newly promoted 007 field agent for MI6. Our story begins with him achieving this rank by executing a traitor. He is then dispatched to track down a bomb maker who is linked to an organization that finances terrorists around the world. Bond follows the leads and discovers that the organization hopes to continue financing terrorism by manipulating an airline stock price and then causing the stock price to plummet by causing a plane explosion. Thankfully, Bond is able to thwart this plan. Lashif, who is the financial mastermind behind this plan, has lost over $100 million and now owes millions of dollars to terrorists around the world who will kill him in in short order if he does not return the money he borrowed from them. So he organizes a high-stakes poker game at Casino Royale in Montenegro. Since he's an expert poker player, he hopes to win the money back. MI6 sends Bond as their representative to this poker game with the goal of bankrupting Lashif and keeping those funds out of the hands of terrorists. Although there are multiple attempts to kill Bond throughout the two nights of play, he is successful and wins the poker game. Bond and Vesper, the treasury liaison officer sent to accompany him, are captured as Lashif is now desperate and he tortures Bond for access to the funds. He is, however, unsuccessful despite taking a whack at it. Lashif is assassinated and Bond and his Vesper are freed. Bond and Vesper enjoy some much needed time off for ball reconstruction surgery and to profess their love for each other. However, James is double-crossed, and Vesper steals the money. He tracks her down and is later informed that she had been coerced into acting against James. Despite the betrayal, Bond tries to save her, but to no avail, as she prevents him from doing so and allows herself to drown. This experience changes Bond as he vows never to love again, and it sets him off on a warpath of revenge, seeking to find and kill all of the players that were involved in Vesper's death. There you go. That's Casino Royale. Nice and spoiled. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, guys, again, if you haven't seen the movie, please go see it. Let's get into it right away. Let's get into the group discussion and talk about why we love or don't love this movie. And I'd like Edgar to start, actually, since I think that he's the number one fan of this movie. Edgar, well, what, I, why I do you love, in this case, I won't even ask you the second part, why do you love this movie? Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm the number one fan of the movie here. I World, might be. Worldwide. I don't know. But uh, I love this movie. I do love the movie. It's a great film um, for, for very many reasons. I don't know if you want me to get into it now. but Sure. Um, this is a spot. Yeah. Uh, so it's a great action film. It rebooted the franchise. Uh, it's almost nothing wrong with this film in my mind. There's a few things that could have been changed probably, and we probably will talk about that later. But for the most part, it's a very enjoyable film from start to finish. I mean, it starts off really strong. It really gets your attention immediately, and then it just doesn't let go until the very end. I've, I've got to bring this up because the listeners are probably going to be surprised at this. How many times did you watch this movie this past week in preparation for this? Well, it was the past two weeks, but I watched it four times. Two oh, weeks? Wow. Four times. Well, I wanted to be ready. This is my first time on group film. I am thoroughly impressed. Right now, you are probably the person that has prepared the most for a pod. Excellent. Yeah, Very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay. <clears throat> so um, let's 
just go in order here. Let's uh, go to Brian. Why do you love this movie or not love it? Pretty much everything that uh, that E already said, honestly. Because um, what he said about it rebooting the franchise, I think, is uh, a big reason why it was so well received at the time. Because they started a lot of different methods with this one that hadn't been seen in the entire Bond franchise since then. That spans like you know decades worth of films. So that's really cool and also what he said about it being engaging from start to finish is absolutely true there are some moments where the story and the plot kind of slows down a little bit but there's i can't immediately think of anything in this movie that i would classify as unnecessary you know there's not a, a decent chunk of it that i could say yeah we could live without this and be okay mm -hmm. because everything seemed very you know thought out intentional yeah. um, my understanding is that it's a pretty faithful adaptation of the Ian Fleming novel of Casino Royale. Right. Obviously, it can't be, you know, one-to-one -one exact, but um, but it's it's pretty close. That's and, interesting. And it adds emotional depth to the character of James Bond as opposed to before where he's very one-dimensional. Yeah. So, uh, all of that, and obviously it's, you know, it's a like a gritty type grounded version of the story. Casino Royale, although Daniel Craig does end up using gadgets and stuff like that later on, and they do it, you know, pretty decently well, but this one doesn't have any of that. So right. It's very much grounded in the sense of, like, yeah, this is a, a realistic take on a character that we've seen before with, you know, cars that turn invisible and into boats and jets and all this other stuff. So Yeah, it's Bond before he's Bond. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I mean, yeah, I don't get tired of it. I, I've probably seen this... Uh, more than five times, not in this week, like Edgar has, but uh, it just in my lifetime, mm. and uh, and I don't get tired of it. Yeah, yeah. Andy, so I love this movie because it was such a departure from the Pierce Brosnan Bond movies um, that I grew up with, and I, I had always thought that nobody could replace Bond for me. It was Pierce Brosnan. That's who I grew up with. Yeah, I felt the same way. But I, I love Daniel Craig. Um, it was a much more grounded, darker, grittier take on Bond. And so I, I loved it immediately. Mm. Uh, pretty much everything that you guys said, uh, I was a huge... How many of you are Bond fans? Let me ask that. How many of you were big Bond fans before this movie? I would say, yeah, we were. Yeah. We, so. would, we would try to watch all of them um, when we could, anyways. Yeah. I only watched the Brosnan ones. I had never watched, and to this day, I have not watched any of the other films by any of the other Bonds. Only Brosnan and, and, and uh, Craig. But I was really excited when this movie came out because it was going to be a reboot and I didn't know how they were going to do that, how they were going to, you know, basically dismiss everything that had come before and just say, we're starting over with this guy who, you know, and we'll talk about this here in a minute, but wasn't exactly everybody's favorite pick at the beginning. Um, but they smashed it. They really killed it with this movie. And by the end of it, I believe we had the entire theater clapping. Uh, with that famous ending scene so mm -hmm. uh was it successful absolutely um it today it's one of my favorite bond films if not my favorite and i'm gonna kind of figure that out as we go as we talk about it but uh what was your reaction after seeing it the first time in theaters or at home and versus now when you've seen it several times so, so yeah so whenever whenever i first watched it um, I can't really remember who I watched it with. Obviously, probably my wife was there. Maybe Brian was there, but it was awesome. It was a great experience at the theater, but I was only 23 years old at the time. It was 2006, right? Something yeah. like that. 
and um, the first half or maybe the first third the whole the whole plot about you know shorting stock that was over my head I didn't even know what was going on yeah. you know what I mean yeah now when I watch it I fully understand the plot I know exactly what Lashif is trying to do shorting stock you know betting against the market something that you know maybe a lot of people do these days with inside information and that's what he had he had inside information that that Skyline is that what it was called? Skyfleet. 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 This is um, all thanks to the Fidelity app, right? That you know all this stuff. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now that I, now that I'm trading myself, you know, um, or, or have a little bit of experience, I know exactly what he was doing. Yeah, he was buying options, you know, or puts as they call them, um, in the hopes that that stock was going to fall or you know plummet, and then he was going to make millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But obviously that didn't happen. But anyways, the, the whole point is that. Now that I have a little bit more life experience, I fully get the plot, and I even I enjoy the movie even more. How about you, Brian? Uh, I gushed. <laughs> it was really cool the first time. Yeah. So how old were you? I must have been thirteen. Oh wow! I think. It's I a mean, if, young to gush. If E was twenty, no, nah, that's about right. There. If yeah. E was twenty-three, I was thirteen. Okay. And um, uh, yeah, I. Because I had seen some Bond films before, mainly the Pierce Brosnan ones. And so, um, even at a young age, I realized that it was such a departure from that. You know, mm-hmm. I was just in awe at the opening sequence of it. You know, it's like, wow, this is really violent. I mm-hmm. like this. No, I'm kidding. I didn't say it exactly like that. I believe that you did, probably. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I just thought it was just really, really cool at the time. And obviously, uh, with time and with age and with the benefit of hindsight, you see more details um, that you that you come to appreciate. But yeah, at the time, I thought it was like one of the greatest action movies I had ever seen yeah. up to that point. And now, oh, still, still, it holds up. Still, holds it up. really does. I mean, I mean, effects-wise, it's great because they really, you know, and we'll mention it, but practical effects came back as a focus, you know. And that's why when you watch it now, nothing really seems too dated, aside from the technology of the time. But I mean, it, it, yeah. There's nothing that immediately stands out as, oh yeah, this aged quite poorly. The effects age quite poorly because they they focused a lot on practical effects. So it, it yeah, it very very well done. It still holds up. It just works better when you do it practically. Yep. It does. Andy, how do you feel? Uh, so first time I loved it again. So so different than the Bond movies I'd grown up with. Uh, this time watching it, and I think I'm going to be the first one to kind of uh, stray from the path. Uh-oh. It stood out less to me. Uh, I, I still love it. It's still fantastic. It's still my favorite of all the Daniel Craig Bond movies. But it was uh, less apparent how much better it was than the other one. So I basically, I've, I appreciate the other Bond movies a little bit more now on this rewatch. They're all excellent movies, um, even though some are better than others. This is still, my, in my opinion, the best and my favorite, but not quite by as much of a landslide as before. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. And I think I agree with you, as, um, as you mentioned that. It's, there's been moments where this movie has hit me harder than it did this last viewing, but I still thought it was so good. Uh, it's, it's a near-perfect film. Near uh, perfect film, yeah. It has some issues with it, but not yeah, nothing yeah, glaring. But, but it's nothing. It's not enough for it to like 
not make you think that the movie's great. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take away from it. Mm-hmm. It's just some things that were necessary for story reasons and because otherwise the movie would be five hours if they were really to do it right. And you can't have that. Mm-hmm. But um, okay, um, do you guys agree with the critics' audience scores? Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic. Right. Well, for so everyone knows, you know the uh, the Rotten Tomato score critics is a ninety four percent. Ninety four percent of critics say this movie is worth your time. Go watch it. Recommend it. Audience score ninety percent, which I'm a little surprised that it was less than the critics. Yeah. I, I mean, it's still a high score. You know, yeah. it's still it's still 90, but I mean, anyways. And then the Metacritic score is 80, which for Metacritic, I it, see, is, I see it, is, it is high. Edgar's shaking his head right now. It's on the higher end for it being Metacritic. How do you feel about that, man? Yeah, I think that's a little too low. Yeah, 80 is too low for sure. A B? Yeah. No, I don't that's, think so. 80 is a C plus, man. Yeah, pretty much. It's yeah. a B minus. It's a, it's a B is minus. It now? Well, yeah, it's a B minus. It used to be a C plus when I was in school. Really? 80 was a C plus. Yeah. Yeah. For you to get a B minus, you needed 83 or higher. Wow. I've yeah. never heard of that. Yeah, that's I don't know what kind of school you went to. Was that in the DR? <laughs> they were too harsh. <laughs> it was not it, in the DR. This was Joyce. Jer- this was yeah, Joyce. It was Coach <laughs> Boone teaching the class. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. What so was it, a plus definitely 89. Yeah, I would say that it's higher. I mean, what was we just did a Dark Knight for the season one finale, and that got higher than this, 94, I think. And then all of us said it's like, no, it's like a 97, 98. Metacritic? Metacritic on The Dark Knight? I don't think it was that high. No, not Metacritic, but the Rotten Tomato score. Because oh. even the Rotten Tomato score, 94, I feel like that's still Dark, a little low. You see, Dark Knight, Metacritic, 84. Oh, look at that. And mm-hmm. so Dark Knight, Rotten Tomatoes, and audience score was 94%. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I think the Casino Royale is just as good as The Dark Knight as a film. Uh, well, yeah, I could see that. Uh, so, I think so again, uh, to be the contrarian, I actually think ninety. I was surprised ninety four percent. I thought that was high. Not that it doesn't deserve it. I'm just surprised it got it. What, like, are, you, what are you giving it? I would have thought it was like ninety one or ninety percent. If I if I had guessed before looking up the score, uh, audience score of ninety percent. I always say if the audience score is less than the Rotten Tomato score, it means they didn't understand the plot completely. Mm. That's what it tells me that they couldn't follow everything. They got lost on the and, puts and stuff. Yeah, yeah the, the shorting of mm-hmm. airline stock and what he's trying to do, the motivation that was confusing uh, for most people. I feel, but and I feel then, like the, the poker scenes are really extended. It's a prominent part of the movie, and if somebody doesn't enjoy poker, they don't understand what's going on. I can then see it, they that can, it loses yeah. their interest. You know, for a good third of the movie mm-hmm. that's a that's a good point that's a good point but i also think that it's enjoyable even if you don't understand those things which is probably why it still stay quite high so i want to talk a little bit about how this movie came to be um so brosnan's james bond for four films he does goldeneye in 95 does tomorrow never dies and i think 97 and then 99 is world is not enough and then in 2002 he does die another day mm-hmm. die another day uh probably the least successful of all the movies that he did uh critically panned yeah uh, which is you know that's a, a whole nother discussion on itself but they're essentially saying okay we're gonna do a fifth one and it wasn't an immediate decision that they were like okay let's get rid of brosnan um there was some talk about what are we gonna do next and one of the things that uh, they had talked about was Quentin Tarantino had interest in directing Casino Royale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, who knows what that would have been. You know, you can only imagine. But he wanted Pierce Brosnan to come back. and But he was going to do something weird and set it back in the 60s. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't really make sense uh, chronologically. Yeah, continuity-wise. Yeah, he was going to do that. And who knows what that film would have been. But um, 
Pierce Brosnan goes to the studio and says for this next movie, I think he said like he wanted $30 million or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the studio's like, yeah, we'll pass. <laughs> it's like, we're, we'll, we'll find somebody else. And so that was it. And who knows, maybe Brosnan said a number like that because he was really done. Maybe he wanted to be done with Bond. I mean, four films is a lot over the course of, of almost uh, 10 years. So, um, so I, I have some information on that that I'll share later. I, I, okay. can, I can expand on all, how those conversations went. Sure, absolutely. I hate when y'all do that. Why bring it up if you're not even going to talk about <laughs> hey, it? We're going to talk about it later, man. That's we got to get to the race file. It's, it's called a tease, Brian. Yeah. I hate that. We're making the, the listener want to stay. I don't like yeah. that. Yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> they're not, they're, they're, if they're listening, they're That's, listening. Yeah. Okay? Oh of what we're talking about right now. We're not going to be jumping around. Dude. You don't have to tease them 15 minutes into the future. Yeah. Oh okay? It's Just keep like, it interesting more for like 15 minutes, minutes and it's yeah. going to be fine. It's at least 30 minutes into yeah, the future. At least 30. Oh, excuse me. That's such a difference. Okay, so uh, they decide to bring in Daniel Craig, right? He's the guy who ends up getting the part. I'm sure there were a lot of people who uh, got offered the job. I think that Ewan McGregor might have been in there. Oh, um, that's an interesting Yeah, I think that he was choice. I remember. Obi-Wan I remember Kenobi. this vividly where uh, they were trying to pick the next guy, and I heard some names that got me really excited at that time. And um, I don't know who they are off the top of my head. We can talk about that later in casting, what ifs, or oh, whatever it's called. Okay, yeah, I was, I was about to say, I know who number two pick was, actually. Who was the number two guy? Do you remember? Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill? Okay. A long time to set that up, and you I'm just so knocked it over. <laughs> Jesus. All right, so Craig gets picked. Everybody knows what the people's reaction was immediately. Yeah. Nobody's really happy with it. No, they're, he got a lot of hate for that. Yeah, he, they're calling him James Blonde, and uh, just that he doesn't have the look or the. It's not what they had envisioned, mm-hmm. you know, because the past few guys who have played Bond have been, you know, have had a certain look. You know what I mean? Timothy right. Dalton and, and and all that. Brosnan. Exactly. So uh, they're questionable about they're questioning this whole thing. And finally, uh, I thought this was interesting. I watched a documentary that you guys should check out called Being James Bond. It's on YouTube, and you can watch it. It's about 45 minutes long, and it goes over, uh, you know, Craig getting casted all the way to the end of No Time to Die. It's really nice. has a beautiful ending. And uh, Craig mentions in that that he actually spent an entire night looking up everything that people were saying about his casting. And he said it got to the point where it wasn't a good idea to begin with, but it was just really detrimental. And then he says that he just stopped. He, you know, shut the computer off and he said, why am I listening to all this? They haven't seen anything yet. Mm -hmm. They don't know what the movie's going to be. They haven't seen my performance. They don't know what I'm capable of doing. So there's no reason to listen to any of this. Let me get to work and let's blow their socks off. That's great. And so that's, yeah, that's the right attitude. So that happens, and of course we get this, which as soon as this movie comes out, guys, the reviews were amazing. I hadn't even looked at the reviews before I saw the movie. Same. And then afterwards, I was I just think. like, yeah, it's it's very well deserved, all the praise that he was getting and that the movie in general was getting. I was going to say, uh, his story probably mimics your own because, you know, you stay up late at night reading all the hateful comments about group film and yeah. how our podcast is, like, fully redundant and, you know, no one really listens to us. They just play it on silent in the background. And now I'm on medication, the, you know. I, yeah. I, but I you just, need to stop, dude. Like, follow Craig's example. Like, why are you li- you know, knock their. They socks haven't off. listened to season two yet. Knock their. They socks don't know off what I got. Exactly. That's right. Just stop listening to all the hate, man. Right. Yeah. 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 
So that was that. Um, I just wanted to say one last thing before we continue, before we go into our favorite scenes. Uh, this movie, and I'm sure you guys noticed it, took a lot from the Jason Bourne series. Did you guys see that? Uh, Bond before, if you look at the fight scenes in all of the Brosnan films, none of them really tried to do what this one was doing. And I think that Bourne had a huge influence. And you got to remember, Identity comes out in 2002. Mm-hmm. That's around. That's the same year that Die Another Day comes out. Mm-hmm. And so they do that. And then Supremacy comes out in 2004. And during Casino, uh, when they were when they released this film, Bourne Ultimatum was being filmed. Mm-hmm. And so that's almost three films where they're just like, oh man, this like shaky camera stuff and these kinds of like gritty fights. They're really cool and people like them. So they adapted that to this story because you couldn't even say that it was like the director uh, deciding to just do it differently like here clearly he saw the influence of, of what was popular at the time I was gonna say you, you see the influence but you don't see mimicry right you know they're not they're not doing the exact same style right of uh, of fight choreography or, or the way they shoot it uh, as they do in born right but as far as the know, camera's not actually shaking right. during the fight scenes but it's the same style of fighting exactly that's right where you actually it's s- brutal you see yeah you see the impacts for a lot of it instead of cutting away and things like that and that's one of the things that I think it, it, it got a lot of praise for too yeah very realistic all right so let's go into best thing I've ever seen guys this is where we talk about our what we consider great scenes in the movie and then at the end tell us what your favorite is okay so if you've got some that you're like okay you know these are five scenes that i really appreciated really liked make sure that your favorite's not included in them and then tell us what your favorite is okay can you do it fine <laughs> i just want to start with my favorite for some reason oh okay. of course okay. of course no but you know teases get us get us Get us ready for it. Again with the teaser. You yeah. don't have... All right. Yeah. I'm going to calm down. <laughs> Let's start with Edgar. Edgar, what are some of your favorite scenes so, in this movie? Not your absolute favorite, but your favorite scenes. Sure, yeah. So there's a lot of great scenes in the movie, I think. We can all agree on that. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, some that come to mind, just real quick, is um, the defibrillator, or how do you say that word? Defibrillator. Thank you. Defibrillator. Defibrillator. That scene, uh, whenever the chief is crying blood, the torture scene. I mean, the torture scene is not pleasant to watch. But it's really good. But it's a good scene. It's It's very well made. I'm going to say that that's one of the best scenes. I think that's where Craig delivers his best performance. Of course. Is during that torture scene. It's a defining scene of this movie. It's something that immediately comes to mind when you think about this movie. I actually thought we should redefine the Andy slap based on that scene. Oh my god. To the nut slap? (laughs) No, no, no. Is that why there's a hole in this chair? (laughs) You guys don't know, but we actually have holes in our chair right now. Juan has got a whip. We all do? Yeah. (laughs) And I I, I still called it Andy slap, but I mean, obviously the meaning... I'm going to scream a little bit louder than before. The meaning behind it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. What else do you like? Yeah, so of course the opening scene, the black and white scene, that's a that's just great you know it's establishing who Bond is or as the character that you know we don't know yet um, so it's it's starting a story basically yeah and um, flipping the Aston Martin you know all of those are great scenes yeah. in my opinion but I've saved my favorite for last and I'll, we'll touch on that later okay alright give us some of your great scenes uh, Brian again everything he says is pretty much my thoughts it's on gospel it. I will say that uh, the poker sequences I really enjoy mm-hmm. and I think it's an opportunity for these actors to showcase their talents because 
they're quite subtle mm-hmm. in the emotions that they're portraying. There's not a lot of talking. No. So they have to act in other ways. Yeah, exactly. And that's tough to do. You really have to be a talented actor. And so they, they definitely brought their A game. So all of the poker sequences I really, really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, in addition to, of course, the, the great action stuff, you know, the more... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say titillating because it sounds weird. <laughs> no, it's, an, it's a good word. But that's essentially what, what it is. Please don't record that. Titillating. You go ahead and cut that out. Andy, what about you? Great uh, scenes. So I'm, I'm really surprised nobody has mentioned this one. When Bond chases the bomb maker at the beginning of the movie, uh, Molaka He said so. that. Oh, he did? Well, no, I didn't say that, but that's because I was saving it for later. Okay. <laughs> Well, so that's one of my great scenes. Uh, so I, I did have one nitpick with that. First of all, there's no way Bond should have been able to keep up. Like, this dude is super fast. Like, he is... He's an MI6 agent. They stay in human. shape. Yeah, I know. He's in shape, but he has to take, like, a lot of shortcuts to keep up. His cardio... Because this guy is just so fast. But anyway, so the part where Bond runs through the wall, Kool-Aid Man style, I yeah. thought that was ridiculous. <laughs> I love that. I love I that. Love always, that. always makes me laugh. The comparison all between yeah. what Malaka yeah. did and what Bond did, it's yeah. like, he's just this brute force. Yeah. That just go, just, he's like, I'm not going to do anything fancy. I'm just going through the wall. Yeah. So, uh, another scene when Bond was intentionally a butt um, in uh, the Bahamas, and he wrecks the Land Rover just because he was offended by the guy thinking he was a, an employee. Hilarious. Um, he needed a way in and distraction. It served two that, purposes. That, that, yeah. pre- that presented two an purposes? opportunity. He was trying to figure out, well, how do I do it? He's tying his shoe, thinking about it, and mm-hmm. then the guy just, you know, he, he got revenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, staircase, the staircase fight scene, and then Bond getting tortured. Torture. Those are my, my great scenes for the movie. Top ones, yeah. Good All picks. right, man. Good picks. Now we get to your favorite part, Edgar. Your favorite scene, sir. We're ready for it. So, yeah. So now I can say that my favorite absolute scene was the... Oh, chase. wait. Stop. Stop. Oh, I forgot. Sorry? What? I forgot. I didn't mention mine. Go for it. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> How do you forget right. yourself? I forgot myself. I got so excited. Gosh, I knew you okay. skipped it. I thought, well, we yeah. must have covered all the ones that he I wanted figured, to talk about. I figured about. he did it on purpose. I okay. thought it was intentional. Okay, now I'll mention the ones that you guys haven't mentioned. Um, I really liked, uh, I thought the Miami airport scene was good. I know it's not on everybody's like top three favorite scenes, but it's I thought it, good. I thought it was really good. well done. That whole sequence, and it's pretty tense. Um, the Montenegro train scene where Vesper is introduced. Oh, love that yeah, scene. Yeah. That is that is one of my favorite scenes. Oops's um, style. And uh, also, I, I like uh, Felix Leiter's introduction. You know, that on the staircase. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. that whole section from when Bond has already lost, and he's just like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? He orders the martinis. You can tell he's mad at the way that he treats the barman. Mm-hmm. Then he grabs a knife, tells Mathis to get Vesper out, and then it's like going to basically kill or incapacitate Lashif. Mm-hmm. In front of everybody, mm-hmm. and uh, Felix stops him, and then tells him he's like, "Should have introduced myself." As seen as how we're related, yeah. he's just like, he's like Felix Leiter, a brother from Langley. <laughs> I just thought that was great, you know. And then he offers to, you know, give him the money to buy back in because he knows that Bond is the best uh, suited to be able to take him. Play. And we can see that later because Felix can't beat Lashif. You right. see the one, you see that yeah. one scene where he goes up against Lashif one on one and just gives up yeah, <laughs> because yeah. he, he knows that he's done. Yeah. He's done. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Also, the uh, final scene in Lake Como, I thought that that was uh, exciting. I don't know if you guys uh, really like that, but it was very short. But just how that happens where Mr. White gets the phone call and then he's like, who is this? And then 
when you hear that shot and that gun going off is incredible if you have a sound system that can really reproduce it. Mm-hmm. It is loud. Humble brag. And, and it is, it's just really good, man. And then you just hear, you hear the music start to, dun, 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 dun. you know, as he's, you, stop, don't make fun of me, man. All right. So, uh, that, that whole thing and then him just going up and then delivering the final line of the movie mm-hmm. is perfect. And the line that everybody had been waiting for him to say, because he doesn't say yeah. it at any point in the movie. In the entire movie. Yeah. And that's one of those things where it's just like most people are used to him saying it maybe like in the beginning or yeah. midway through the film with a character. He'll say the name's Bond, James Bond. He does not deliver that until the last line of the movie, which I thought was brilliant and so good. I had not caught that. Yeah, and, it basically cem- and it basically cements who he is. Now he's James Bond. The entire movie, he was James Bond. But now he's James Bond. You know, the guy that we have always known and, and loved. So Yeah, even even the theme song, the James Bond theme, that's that's the first time it comes out at the very end, that very end scene. And it like builds up, you know, and it reveals James Bond, you know, standing there with that uh, gun, that submachine gun. I don't know what he had. But um and then he delivers that line, right? Yeah. The name James Bond. James yeah, I think it's a paintball gun. <laughs> Whatever it is. So you it enjoy like yeah. so your favorite scene is like seeing an old man getting his kneecap shot off. Is that what I'm gathering from this? He's not that old. He's uh, you know he's, he's in his late fifties, sixties maybe. He's old. He's old. He's clearly in his sixties. He's clearly old. Clearly in his sixties. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's. You know, I wouldn't phrase it the way you phrased it, but it was really an amazing scene. Enjoyed yeah, seeing him really get, get shot. He deserved it. He deserved more than that. Anyway, okay, uh, Edgar, what is your absolute favorite scene from the movie? Yeah, so that now we go back to the chase scene, right? Like, the entirety of that whole chase scene is awesome. And I think at the time, parkour was just starting, right? Isn't the bomb maker, like, the creator of parkour? I don't know if he's the creator, but he's a professional, for sure. He was a professional? He was a professional okay. parkour guy. Yeah, yeah, so at the time, that it was just be- becoming, like, really big, yeah. right? And so to have it in the movie... It's probably something that hadn't been seen before in other in other movies. Right. right? I don't know of any other movie that was doing parkour at that yeah, time. I can't, can't think of any. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right. And so that's what made it really exciting, just to see Bond, like how Andy said, like it was probably not, it was probably not possible for him to keep up. But he's very resourceful. You know, he takes shortcuts. He uses things in his environment. Yeah. And even though he's resourceful, he's also a little reckless. Right. He has yeah. no regard for anybody else's life. Uh, you know, whenever he shoots up the the, the crane or whatever, he let, lets all these pipes fall on the <laughs> yeah, ground yeah, uh, without even checking to see if anybody was under there. Yeah, <laughs> no regard for any of the OSHA laws or anything like that. Uh, nothing. Yeah, he wasn't wearing he's, a hard he's, hat. He's, he's no got an objective, hat. and that's that. No harness. Yeah, but it's, it's it was really cool to see him use his environment to to uh, to get the guy right yeah. to, to catch up to him. Basically. His advantage. Yep. Yeah, that's true. So the chasing for you. That, that's it for me. And that's also my point of no return, just in case you were wondering. Oh, we were about to get to that. Yeah. Ryan, nice. what's your favorite scene? Yeah. No, um, there's there's too many to choose from, honestly. I I would say that probably... Did you not prepare for this? I, I It's because, honestly, when I, when I was trying to write down which one, I couldn't, okay? I'm sorry. Don't get upset. This is not the first time this has happened. It's at least the eighth. So oh. you should expect this by now, okay? I'm sorry. My the one that initially 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 yeah, that was weird. The tequila is hitting him now. <laughs> oh my god! Nobody knew I had tequila. 
initially what came to mind was him winning the poker game. That was my first thought as far as favorite scene. Yeah. Because it's just so satisfying. The hand when he actually beats mm-hmm. him. Yeah, exactly. But I can't say that definitively. All right, Andy. So for me, uh, it's on the train to Montenegro mm-hmm. uh, when Bond reads Vesper and she reads Bond, where they immediately identify who they are just from the looks. And they're both spot on, which is, I think, a really cool scene. Um, and it's the only time we really get like that side of Bond, I think, in any of the movies. Where he's like that? Where, where people have figured him out. Mm. I think that's what captivates him so much about Vesper, is that she uh, is like a perfect ping pong player, you know what I mean? Who just can match everything that he does. And I think that he, at that point in his life, hadn't met a woman like that. I agree. And you can see it in his reaction after that conversation. Too, yeah. Where he kind of just goes, thinks on it a little bit. He's like, yeah. 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 He's impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Guys, all three of you picked my top three favorite scenes. And I went back and forth between Andy's, which was my original pick. And then I went to Edgar's, which was became my next pick after that. And I finally landed on, it's what Brian said for me also. The hand where he beats Le Chief is so satisfying. You picked the perfect word. As a viewer, it's just like, yes, I'm so glad that he beat this guy mm-hmm. who clearly thought that he was unbeatable. Yeah, he was so smug yeah. about his hand. He created this whole game and prepped it so that he could win all the money. Yeah. His thought is, I'm better than anybody they could possibly put. Yep. In yep, those yep, chairs. Yep, yep, yep. And for Bond to beat him, uh, we're going to talk about that poker hand later. We're going to talk about that. But, um, Edgar, what's your point of no return? All right, so like I mentioned earlier, my point of no return is that chase scene. So I see that chase scene on TV, I'm not stepping away. The I'm one not, in Africa. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I'm watching the whole movie from, from there forward. Gotcha. Brian? I have to watch it from the start. I, I honestly, it's like as soon as it starts, I'm in for the rest of the way. Same. Right here. For me, it's the the torture scene. At that point, I can commit to watching the rest of the movie. I really like how it ends. It ends strong. There's just something about the nut whack that you just... It, it's engaging, isn't it? Yes, it's very attractive. <laughs> yeah. He likes the sound. <laughs> and he'll have his TV on, and then he'll just hear... Oh! 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 And he'll be like, oh, it's at the perfect scene. It sits down, and he's like... <laughs> yeah. What a great impression. Yeah, people come at me. What's going on in here? (laughs) Oh, nothing. It's just my favorite scene of the movie. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, so point of no return is pretty different for... Or or, it's different for all of us. I mean, yours is pretty close to the beginning, Edward. We said the beginning. And then we we said... Yeah, like, I, I just... As soon as the movie starts, I'm, I'm in. I can't start anywhere I feel else. like it's one of those movies where if you stumble onto it on TV, at any point, you're in till the end. Yeah, I'm probably turning it off and then putting in the Blu-ray for the, <laughs> you know, 4K. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. All right, let's get to behind the scenes, guys. Let's talk a little bit about the director, the cinematography, the script, screenplay, score, special effects, wardrobe. I feel like we don't... I mean, there's nothing to say about every category. Director Martin Campbell, known for... Such hits as uh, GoldenEye, The Mask of Zorro, Green Lantern, one of his best hits. Also. He did Green Lantern? He did. Oh, yeah. I'm so, so sorry. That's the one comment I had on direction. He did a great job with this movie, but his record overall is spotty. You know, he's done GoldenEye, Mask of Zorro, Legend of Zorro, Green Lantern. Like, that's really hit or miss for Martin Campbell. <laughs> I think he did another movie with Pierce Brosnan 
recently with Jackie Chan also. Yes. Called The Foreigner. The Foreigner. And, and I heard that it got really good reviews. Mm-hmm. But it that, was pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, it's I guess it's hit or miss. It probably right. just depends on the what you think. The story maybe. The script that he's working with. I don't know. I Might really be. don't know. Yeah. Uh, speaking of script, if you don't mind, B, I'm just going to jump on this real quick. This is probably the best script for a Bond movie. I uh, think I think yeah. that uh, even though it might not be my favorite, I'm still working on it in my head, guys. Uh, this is definitely the best script. Oh. I love the writing in this. The dialogue is so good, especially I wanted to highlight any interaction between Bond and Vesper or Bond and Lashif is gold. It is top tier writing, top tier acting. I'm going to have to challenge you on that one, Ellis. I'm sorry. Go for it. Uh, Let's hear what you got to say. I agree with you on the interaction between Bond and Lashif, but between Bond and Vesper, there's some pretty cringy lines in there, you know, here and there. Like when he's talking about his little finger and (laughs) whenever he's in the shower sucking on her fingers, it's like... Yeah, that that was weird. There's finger stuff. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Maybe you're you're not into that stuff, man. What? That doesn't make Steven likes fingers. I guess. No. (laughs) Steven's into the fingers. No, I'm just saying, I'm sure that there are girls that would have looked at those scenes and been like, that's really sweet or that's kind. Are you you serious? Or that's that's playful. I have not met a single girl that saw that finger sucking scene and was like oh that's that's kind of him that's, that's so nice sweet. that's so sweet i <laughs> never heard you want to start the hate say, here man no no no. i well, disagree with you a hundred percent this is what i wrote okay. this is what i wrote down first for the script in the screenplay i put plot wise fantastic i literally wrote down tuck, 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 again and it makes the two and a half hours fly by but yeah. some of the dialogue exactly like he said yeah, it's it's just i like i feel almost that some of that dialogue was written as if it was for a play you know, it's very showy, the, the, the words that they use and, and the delivery of it. And it's usually between Bond and Vesper, mm. usually. Everything else, fine. With M, at MI6, with any other character, with the villains, yeah, it's all. But I don't know why. I guess they just wanted to romanticize it a little bit more. And maybe that's part of the style aspect of it. But hey, it worked for me a hundred percent. I saw I saw every scene as flawless. That's just me. I noticed just it me. on this latest rewatch. I exactly. I was like, this is kind of weird. It's kind of weird. So I I love this script. I think Skyfall script is better. I like this movie more than Skyfall, but I think Skyfall is a better story. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Opposite. I think that this has a better script, but I like Skyfall more. Is how I'm feeling right now. I have but to we'll rewatch Skyfall because I think that the the highs are higher of Casino Royale. Wait, I think overall Casino Royale is better, but Skyfall has higher highs and lower lows. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that could detract from the average. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, uh, let's talk about the. You want to talk about cinematography or score? Real quick, cinematography is uh, is nice to talk about in this movie because they actually started using it. As opposed to other Bond films. So Ooh. that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's neat. Uh, camera movement is one thing that you'll notice. Love sweeping, establishing shots, but yeah. also, uh, you know, they don't use cuts as often. And I think that's great. Not only for the style aspect, but also for action sequences. You know, they the camera lingers just a little bit so you can see some of that choreography really shine. So that pays off a lot. And their use of lighting in this film is great. Yeah. So you can see uh, where they start to use a lot of these methods in this one, and then Skyfall perfects it mm-hmm. because they bring in a well-established cinematographer 
for their principal photography, and it really shows. Roger Deakins, that is man. one of the most he, stylish movies I've ever seen, but it started with Casino Royale, especially compared to like all the other Bond films before it that used a lot of, like, I guess, flat lighting, mm-hmm. you know, and, and yeah, nothing too... Because um, it's use of color and temperature and also the way... Like, here's an example. Do you remember the scene where he realizes he was poisoned? Yeah. Right? So that's a great use of, you know, using the background and the foreground. And you change the focus. You don't even have to move the camera. Yeah. You change the focus because now you're seeing the effects on him. In and the then bathroom, focuses, you can see how it gets shaky and, and everything. Band, exactly. Where they don't really employ that anywhere else. Because he's disoriented and yeah. he's under the effects. So, uh, yeah. The, all of that is, is, is very, very well done. Not the best of Craig's films. But it's, I would say, it's probably second best out of all of them. I'm still mad about what you said about the script. Why? I love those Bond and Vesper scenes. Are all right, you that's kidding it. me? Don't want to say anything more about it. Are Let's you go. joking? You seriously you, think... You want to talk about special effects? The score? finger, the finger sucking is like for an ad the for KFC was very or something. You know? you know? It's like, man, this chicken is so good. It's finger licking good. It's okay. not even my fingers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she was just eating it. It's weird. She needs comfort, dude. She feels like she's got blood on her hand. So he's he's wiping the blood off, and then he asks, "Is that better?" That's disgusting. Have you ever heard of a of a hug? You can comfort someone with a hug before you suck on her fingers. That's weird. That's very weird. No, I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry, bro. That's weird. That totally works. That That does not work. That that totally works. Totally. Yes. Totally makes sense. It does. All right, we're gonna. I'm assuming we're gonna post online. And at, will you stop messing with the... No! I don't care what everybody okay, thinks. Okay. I'm telling you, it works, The man. only thing you need to post is finger sucking. It is is such... it weird? And then put a yes or no. No, because I, 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 I don't want to deal with the responses yeah, no, from no, that. No, I don't know what... Yeah. I'm not going to start following that now. I don't want to deal with the responses either. Watch it get destroyed. No, it's because no. you, you know you're wrong. No, no. no. It's not... It's, 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 it's a very kind scene. It's not kind at all. It is an assassin feeling bad for a woman who is young and just participated in a murder I'm for not the saying first time in her the, life. I'm not saying that the intent okay? of the scene She's is She's in bad. shock. She's put the water the on. The scene, he, overall, I know what you're saying. He, he turns the water to, to where it's warmer okay, for like so she feels America better. I know, I know, then, I know then, what he's trying to do. And then she says, I feel I like there's blood on my hands. I know, And so I know. he does probably the only gesture to psychologically help her through that. It's weird. It's still weird. The intent of the scene, the intent of the scene makes sense. I know what you're saying and it's important. Maybe you would never do that to anybody else, but Bond did it and it worked. I watched it. It 100% works. It is a beautiful scene. Okay, let's move on. I'm going to calm down. We're good. We're okay. We're okay. Believe it or not, listeners, we are friends. Best friends. (laughs) So I'm going to say something about the, the, not so much the score, just the music in general. Okay. I am not a fan of the Bond music. All the songs, you know, Madonna... Uh, Billy Eilish, Chris Cornell in this movie, Sam Smith, Adele. This is a bad take. Fine artist. Let's wait till he's done. I wrote I'm going to be quiet then, until Andy's done. We're going to wait and then we'll roast him. I wrote in my note, possible hot take. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of, of the music they use, they employ at you, the start of these movies. Do you at least like the theme song? 
the classic theme song of Bond. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, oh, thank okay. God. Yeah. And the oh piano music they use throughout the movie is good. Just okay. the, the intro songs, I, I'm not a fan of any. Dave, David Arnold did the music, uh, or the score, I think that he did a great job employing a lot of the themes of the classic theme song for Bond into the music. Uh, very flourishy, lots of style there too. Uh, Chris Cornell, I love, rest in peace, obviously, but um, this is... I would say tied with Skyfall for my favorite intro song because I, I really, really enjoy it. I do. <laughs> this wasn't this one doesn't make my top three. Well, that's because you have bad taste. It's because... Right, I agree. <laughs> I didn't even say that about Andy who hates all of them. <laughs> not, to, not to expand on this, number one... Billie Eilish's I love that so oh, much the one from No Time to Die that is number one for me and, maybe oh, third you, man maybe you third. guys suck it's man. maybe third for what me. no no yes. that is so and good and then Jack White and then Sam Smith is dead freaking last no I've got Sam Smith Sam behind Smith, the bell Sam Smith is last and this is including all previous Bonds <laughs> back to Sean Connery because I hate that song hate it why would I listen to two and a half minutes of somebody whining the entire time? That's what he sounds like when he sings. He's just whining. He's a great singer. Give me a freaking break. He, he is, is a great. Yes, he is. No. He is a great singer. No. No, now, no, no. I'll fight you on this. And yeah, you know, the I'm thing is, is it. that I'm pretty sure that uh, not everyone, or in fact, the majority probably does not agree with me as far as Sam Smith, but I don't like any of his music. Especially the song for Spectre. That's a clear bias right there. I don't there. like it. That means that you can't Sorry. even... Yeah, you can't yeah. be objective. But yeah. I've listened to... I've actually listened... He saw performed by Sam Smith and he was out. I've, I've listened to his music and I don't like it. If I had a bias, I wouldn't listen to it at all. But I gave it a shot, and I don't. I'm sorry. I just you don't. Say Stop it. Stop. You love me. That sounds That's worse. That's not even right. The lyrics are wrong. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Moving on. Special effects, lots of practical effects, and wardrobe, I think they nailed it. Yeah, the building collapse in Venice was really well done. Mm-hmm. You don't... I, I can't tell. Was that CG, or did they really do it? Mm-hmm. No, CG. If, but it's it's the type of CG that's invisible, which is great. Yeah. Uh, the car crash before he or right to avoid Vesper, I think, was very well done. Even at the Miami airport scene when he jumps off the truck and rolls to avoid the oncoming truck, I yeah. thought was really well done. Yeah. So props to the stunt people for that. Yeah. What did you guys think about uh, the wardrobe, Andy? What kind of what kind of uh, suits were these guys wearing? I'm gonna save that for later. Later? That was not an intentional tease, Brian. Stop looking at me like that. No, do he it now. It's, it's wardrobe. We we're gotta talk war- about it now. We're on wardrobe, so talk about it now. Yeah. yeah. Fine. Uh, so it, it's impressive as it should be um, for a, a Bond movie. So Daniel Craig's suits and tuxedos were made by Italian fashion house Brioni. Um, they were estimated to cost around $6,000 each. Holy moly. His shirts and neckties were made by Turnbull and Asser. Um, and he wears sunglasses by Persol, cufflinks by S.T. DuPont, suspenders by Albert Thurston, polos and t-shirts by Sunspell, shoes by Converse, John Lobb, and Nike, Ted Baker pants, La Perla swim trunks, a Giorgio Armani leather jacket, and so in the movie, he says his watch is Omega. I always called it Omega. 
Well, he's, is it Omega? He's British. Well, They're going to say things differently than we do. I can't afford an Omega or an Omega watch, so I don't know. Maybe I just don't know. But anyway, so that's the watch. Like, I can afford Omega spelled with an I in the middle. <laughs> the that knockoff one. version. Yeah, and so lastly, Brioni dressed every player at the Casino Royale poker table. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Bri- is Brioni higher end than Tom Ford? I think that's subjective. I'm just Brioni. wondering if they upgraded or downgraded for right. the future movies. Because after this movie, he goes Tom Ford all right. the way. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe in price, Tom Ford is maybe a little bit cheaper. But I don't think that's reflective of the quality. Mm-hmm. My personal taste is I prefer Tom Ford stuff that I can't afford. But Yeah. Well, I think this is one of the... Any James Bond movie needs to you know exude style in it. That's part of the the flair of it. And yeah. he's a stylish guy. And and not just Bond. I feel like everybody in this movie, with the exception of Demetrios, you want to challenge is me on stylish. that. You want to challenge me on yeah. Bond style, B? Is that what you want to do next? I'm not. I'm not challenging. Yeah. What so, did go I ahead. say? T- tell, tell, I didn't say anything. Tell me that in the shower scene that he's not properly dressed. I dare you. He's, he's not. He's not properly he's dressed, dressed for a shower. All right. Yeah. Anyways, someone's there, about to die. There is one thing that I want to bring up about the wardrobe that I noticed was maybe in 2006 it was very stylish but I feel that his pants are very baggy and long it's actually coming back now is it coming back mm-hmm. baggy oh, okay. baggy fits Ugh. although now that he says that I think his sunglasses when he arrives in the Bahamas were have not aged too well and oh, I think yeah, again it's a product of the time they right? were square weren't they or rectangular they were just a yeah. little big I think yeah. in my opinion I see. Okay, that's all I noticed about the way. I thought the wardrobe was great, but good. his pants were a little too baggy. He needs flexibility to run, Edgar. Okay, can be wearing some tight skinny <laughs> right. pants, yeah. you know, that's true. and that's kicking true. bad guys' and that, butts. That does change later. You see that he gets more tailored fits he does, in, right? in the future movies. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's got to stay current. That makes sense. Right. Sure. He could have used some baggier swim shorts for sure. So we're on to winners and losers. Best performance in the movie? Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Here's what I said. I, I actually put Eva Green as Vesper. And the reason why is because this is a very complicated character. Mm-hmm. You know, she you actually see hints and indications of her guilt and her internal conflict uh, very early on before it's revealed that she actually double-crossed James. So um, that, that takes a lot of talent, I would say. Yeah. But on that note, I think Mads Mikkelsen also did an excellent job. He was... He did a great job at being menacing without being physically imposing, which is not always easy to do. Very true. Uh, and, of course, Daniel Craig, I put Brodit. Yes. I had those three, actually. I had Craig, Green, and Mickelson. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know who to pick. It took me a bit, but I went ahead and went with Craig. But I think that, it, you know, Eva Green is unbelievable in this movie. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Uh, she was, like, this close to surpassing Craig for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Mads Mickelson. I, we can talk about this now real quick. Best Bond villain? I think so. He's my favorite Bond villain I thus think far. He's he's definitely one of the most memorable, yeah. I would say. For me, it's either him or Alec Trevelyan from uh, GoldenEye, mm-hmm. as far as villains go. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I can um, see that. Yep. Yeah, but he's just he's so menacing despite not being an over-the-top villain. Right. You know what I mean? There's nothing grandiose about him. Exactly. He's an accountant. That's it. Exactly. And, and Weeping Blood is just... You yeah. know, a derangement of the tear duct. Yeah. It's nothing sinister. Nothing sinister. <laughs> Worst performance of the movie? I put the mongoose that fights the cobra. Found his performance to be a bit stiff. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, good. And then, right. uh, and then another stiff performance was the uh, the bomber guy that was after the Skyfleet prototype. That dude uh, acted like a cyborg. He had like <laughs> <in the> Terminator. <laughs> yeah. He had like 
know him. You see him walking like through the aisles and stuff. He's like, like a Terminator. It, that's a good comparison. I like that. Yeah. I wrote down the chief's girlfriend because I feel like all she did was smile. Like, no, no. Uh, she she seemed pretty distressed when they were about to chop her arm off. Yeah. You thought that was uh, all right. Let's give it to Terminator. <laughs> That's what we'll call him. Hold Andy, on. what did uh, you have? So for me, I put Bond's testicles. <laughs> Worst performance? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we might have to edit that I wanna out. I want to hear this. I want to hear the rationale behind this. We might no have... rationale. Just, oh, you know. it's just, okay, he had the worst perform. Yeah. They definitely had the worst day. He had a, he had a very bad day. It's the, yeah. it's the worst treatment, I would say. Yeah. Edgar worst performance. Yeah, so I I really couldn't find bad performances in this movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, and just and uh, I know that you're smart enough to get this, but I like to clarify for some people: worst performance does not mean the character you liked the least. Some people tend to do that, right? From time to time, <laughs> where they just pick the character they hated the most and say that was the yeah, worst performance, yeah, and that's yeah. not true. That's not, not accurate. That's not sure, sure. So who was the? Yeah, you you didn't find anybody? No, because I. I think everybody did great in this movie. They really did. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. just I'm just picking somebody to pick somebody, yeah, but exactly. everybody was good. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to agree with everything you guys said. <laughs> Best line in the movie, and there are a lot of good lines in this movie. There's a lot. You know, there's a yeah. lot of good lines. Um, you guys want me to start? Go ahead. My top three, and you guys help me pick. That last hand nearly killed me. Yeah, that's on that's, my list. That's yeah. a good one. That's good. Uh, of course, the famous, the name's Bond, James Bond. Got I that. feel like somebody would probably tell me, how can you not pick that? Yeah, but it's yeah. not necessarily my winner. I think that this is my winner. You guys tell me. Now the whole world's going to know that you died scratching my balls. Also on my list. That's God. on my list. Yeah. Jeez, on my Louise. List. <laughs> uh, my pick, and you guys are going to laugh, but so as charming as you are, Mr. Bond, I will be keeping my eye on our government's money <laughs> and off your perfectly formed arse. <laughs> you noticed? Yeah. <laughs> Even accountants have imagination. That's a good line. All right. You took all of mine, dude. Uh, the only one that I have on here that's not that is when he wakes up after being poisoned. He's like, you okay? Me? I don't know. That's just like a funny moment there. Yeah. And he cares. So that's nice. Yeah. And then whenever he's in the car and he's like, I'm Arlington Beach and says the details and you're Miss Stephanie Broadchest. Like yeah. that, his delivery of that is really funny. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those where if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it, but it's a very, very funny line. Yeah, it was a funny line. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mbale Machetes. Have some tall weeds that need to be cut? How about taking an arm for the betrayal? Well, we have the perfect product for you. Umbali machetes. The others just don't cut it. That last hand nearly killed me. That was a great line. That's one of my favorites. And also, um, at the very beginning, whenever he shoots Dryden, is that his name? Yeah. Dryden. Yeah, Dryden. Dryden. And he, he doesn't let him finish his sentence. He oh, just says, yes, yes. Considerably. considerably. That's I good. love that. That's awesome. That's, That's a, a good one. one. Great you, you guys know what he was gonna, how he was going to finish the sentence, right? Yeah, yeah. of course. The, the second is considerably easier. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes, okay. we all understood that. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's a great line. All I right. think Edgar's uh, 10-year-old son understood it, too. <laughs> We ask them. You are testing me, man. I'm literally gonna ask a Testy. bunch of people. Testy. I'm gonna ask a bunch of people, just randomly, ask them to tell me how did what was the word he was gonna use. I'm sorry to ran- finish that sentence. Randomly, you're gonna ask and people if, in the street. I'm gonna ask random people in the and street. If, and if, hey. if more than fifty percent did not know what how exactly he was gonna end that, 
You are going to eat it, man. I'm not even worried. This podcast is getting testy. <laughs> hey! Easy with those puns. Pun intended. Yeah. All right. Uh, worst line. I could not think of I one. Find it I, I put one, but it's not like my heart's not in it. I just wrote something because I know we were going to talk about it. I put, don't worry, you're not my type. Smart, single. Okay. That's a great line. I, could line. I know, but I'm putting something I'm putting yeah. because, you yeah. know. You could have picked a better line than that to be worst line, man. Well, you know. That's, what's your that's pick? A, that's a smooth line. What's your pick? My pick is uh, when the uh, broker whatever uh, tells Lashif over the phone, you do know you're betting against the market. And I was just like, yes, dude, that's what shorting means. <laughs> it's like, why is he repeating that? To, or why is he telling that to Lashif like he's an idiot? And I think it's implied Lashif does this a lot, you know? So why, yeah, why bring it up? Yes, he, he does this constantly. And it's just like, he's like, I want to short this this thing. And he's like, sir, do you know that that means you're betting against the market? Okay. Yes, that's what shorting means. <laughs> not, not, not exactly, not exactly. Yeah. I, th- I thought shorting just meant like... It means to bet against something that is... It? Uh, is yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. It's the it's to Okay, so so technically yes. So that's part of the reason why all these guys who were involved in the Big Short in 2008, they were betting against the market. They were betting against housing because they saw something that this doesn't add up. This isn't sustainable, mm-hmm. and so they started shorting housing bonds, which is you know everybody's like, whoa, why would you do that? Housing is you know fail, foolproof. It, it won't. It can never fail. Generally speaking, yeah, it only um, goes up. Okay. Yeah. So in this case. It, it, he was shorting an airline stock to the tune of a hundred million dollars, and it's like, whoa! Why would you bet against airlines? You know, and by like, that much, yeah, and by that much, right? But yeah, so when for for our, our viewers or our listeners, hopefully one day we'll have viewers because we'll post some of this content uh, on on YouTube. But uh, by shorting a stock, it means you're borrowing it from somebody, um, and then you are selling that stock, and then you have to repay that stock to somebody at some point. But your hope is that the price goes down, and then you can cash the difference between what you uh, sold it for and what you end up having to buy it back for. Mm-hmm. And so the chief's plan is to short this airline stock. So that in itself kind of starts to drive the price down a little bit because there's a lot of selling of the the airline stock. And then on top of that, he was then going to create that explosion of the new prototype, which was going to be you know national news, international news, and it was going to further, further driving yeah. down the the price yeah and so then he could buy back all this stock at a cheaper price yeah and then he makes money and he can repay the money that he's borrowed right mm-hmm. there you go so yeah that was my worst line i like it's there for exposition that's all for the people who don't know what that means pretty good pick i would yeah. say that's okay good. that's that's not bad not like bad that. not bad out of all the people involved in this movie cast and crew who deserves to be remembered most for this movie? I think the answer is obvious. Yeah, it's got to be Craig. Yeah. It's got to be Daniel Craig. Yeah. Especially because he proved all the haters wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that has to be so sweet so for him, right? Great. When the reviews come in yeah. and they're just saying he went from being like the most, like the worst Bond they could have possibly asked for to being the best potentially. The best. Already. Yeah. With just one film. Yeah. He was already in competition with Connery for best Bond of all time. That's incredible. He did, yeah, and yeah, he really he he did a great job, so he deserves it. Yeah, yeah. Andy, do you think the same, Craig? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Daniel Craig for sure. All right, who should be forgotten? I'm gonna go with uh, Mr. Fuki Two. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I, I didn't even think he would, that character would come up in this entire pod. Well, that proves his point. And I love that you just brought him up. I'm excited now. Exactly. Mr. Fukuto. Oh, excuse my pronunciation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all right. No, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Nobody what do you got against him, man? He's, he's kind of cool. He's, he's got just forgotten. Nobody remembers. But you remembered him, clearly. Honestly, though. What's the name of the brother next to him? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh. And they said his name, too. Oh, there you man, go. I don't remember. There you go. That's who should be forgotten. Felix. <laughs> next to ne- next the to other him. one. Yeah. Oh, the other one. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. But, you know, in all honesty, the guy that really got <laughs> forgotten. I like, no, sorry, real quick. <laughs> the bigger brother. When he gets uh, all his chips, he puts them in, and then he goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with five, like gesture, five million, yeah. like that's all he's got. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. He couldn't say it. He just wants to like put the number up. Yeah. Well, I wonder if he wants to be cool. Yeah. And his smirk, whenever he thinks he's winning, he's like, because he's got the full house. Yeah. Which is like, a good hand. The guy that really did get forgotten was Carter. You guys remember Carter? I had him as that's what I wrote down. Like I wrote the same one. Yeah. He he falls go. into that into that snake mongoose pit and then he's, he's just completely forgotten. No, nobody talks about him. He probably him. died in there. Yeah. <laughs> and then my six didn't even recover the, the, the body. What yeah. is it? The possum or whatever probably took him out. It's a mongoose. A mongoose. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> for me, it uh, should for be me. forgotten. The ladies at the poker game. We never hear their names. They never speak a line of dialogue, and then they're the first to lose in the game because they're gone. At the end, it's just a boys' club. Uh, at the end, the, the, like literally, they were terrible poker players. The apparently. Asian lady has a name. Her name is Madame Wu. Yeah, but, I saw it in the credits. Oh, but see, that's not. Yeah, but they didn't address her at any and point. I, and, in and I think isn't she's not the she's not the same one that was she playing is, with Lachif right on is, the boat. She yes, was yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. I think doesn't he doesn't he mention her name? Mm-mm. He doesn't. Okay. No. He doesn't even talk to her. Like, yeah. no one talks to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Good picks, though. Yeah. All right, uh, we're on to egg drops, everybody's favorite category, according to the groupies. We thank you guys for that vote. Uh, egg drops, Easter eggs, little known facts, foreshadowing, symbolism. So I want to go ahead and just get some foreshadowing, foreshadowing out of the way before Andy drops all the eggs. Um, there's... Whenever uh, Vesper, in that very weird finger-licking scene, she says that there's blood on my hands, it's, it's not coming off, I think that that foreshadows the guilt that she feels, not because she had a, you know, a hand in the killing of the, the African warlord, but more so that she is working against Bond's interests. Because by that point in the movie, she already knows about the tell, and I think it's implied that, yeah, it, she is the one that tells Lashif about the tell. So she's already got some internal conflict going on. But even if you just take it as, yeah, she's feeling bad about the death of, you know, because she helped Bond kill him, uh, it still foreshadows guilt towards some of her actions later, later on in the movie. Okay, so I have a question. I have the same question, probably. So I, I know at the end of this movie, it's unclear if Mathis was or was not the the mole. Um, and obviously, logistically, based on what we know in future movies that Mathis is a good guy, um, you would think that it had to have been Vesper who mentioned the tell. Um, my question is, though, why would Lashif, after the car accident where the Aston Martin flips, Lashif says, your friend Mathis is actually my friend Mathis. So why mention that if it wasn't Mathis? Because he definitely can't say that it's Vesper. Vesper's still part He's of the He's about to kill Bond. 
No. What does it matter? He well, he probably would have eventually. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna get the information. He's not gonna let Bond live. He was mm-hmm. expecting Bond to break, and he yeah. Did. But still, it's like why, why, why mention that at all? You know, the the Mathis part. That's the part that confused me. It's almost like the movie didn't make up its mind, and they're like, it won't matter. You know, once the movie's over, it's over. The question, it doesn't matter anymore? I think it matters because if he would have said Vesper, then the, the whole torture scene wouldn't have worked. Right. Because he's using Vesper as leverage. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. You know what Vesper, I mean? Ve- Mathis doesn't have any piece of this puzzle, but Vesper has the account number, which he got, clearly, or already had, and then Bond has the password. So it's all right if he throws Mathis under the bus. You know, Even if even if Mathis had nothing to do with it, we don't know that Mathis was really working with Lashif. In this movie. In this movie. We yeah. don't know. Right, that's right. But anyways, so that's that's pretty good. That is pretty good. And I, then I had a question. Uh-huh. Uh, at what point did uh, we can say it, even though they never mention it here? What at what point did Quantum have Vesper? What? Oh, the organization. Yes. Quantum. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was, was it before they even met. Did they were they just like we we know that MI six is going to need an accountant to be with him and to you know uh, be part of the whole casino game. Or did they get her during the uh, the nut whacking scene? No, That's, no, 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 no. See, no, that, no. Was, it was that. My, that was that was my understanding. That. I always thought it was during that torture scene. No. Me too. No, 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 no. There's she, no way. She cut it. She cut a deal with Quantum at that point. But she was already in bed. With but her. she was already. Yeah, exactly. She okay. was already um, because even I. I think more than likely. They knew MI6 was going to send her for this assignment. Okay. They captured the Algerian boyfriend, so they knew. Here we go. This is our this is our ace in the hole. So, so it was before she's even introduced in the film. She's right. already. Yeah. So is that? I, I guess this kind of adds a, a layer to her frustration when Bond loses so quickly at poker, because she's counting on that money because she has to be successful in getting it to Quantum to save her boyfriend. Well, no, Lashif is a part of Quantum. So he'll give it to them if he yeah, wins the whole thing. Exactly. Like she can't, she can't outright be against Bond, but she's not gonna pay money to get him back in, even though he has a really, really good chance of winning, because, because. it's going to help her get her boyfriend back. Yeah. Okay. So it makes the not, you know, letting him buy back in make sense. Exactly. Because she's right. like, dang it, Bond's actually good, and I can't risk that he actually wins this thing. Gotcha, and, that and, makes sense. And that's another piece of foreshadowing that I have on here because when Bond does buy back in, Lashif is actually surprised, which is interesting because that means that he was expecting Bond to stay out, which means that he knew that Vesper would withhold the funds. That's also true. It makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah. And so he must be wondering how did he get the money? Exactly. Did he think that maybe Vesper betrayed him? He might have thought that in the moment, but at the same time, these guys are so well informed that he probably pretty quickly found out that that wasn't the case. And you know, uh, Bond said, Lashif already knows who I am, you know, and he's letting me play anyway. He knows that I'm, I'm James Bond. Yeah. So he probably already knows that Felix Leiter is Felix Leiter. Probably, I would say so. He's like, I've got a CIA guy and I've got an MI6 guy at this table. Yeah. And so later, and so later on, whenever she asks, when they're on the beach after, you know, the poker game and everything else, and she says, does everyone have a tell? And he says, everyone except you. So it's clear that she's still hiding, basically. And it's not clear until, you know, shortly after. So lots of actual foreshadowing and subtle hints that you get, but uh, they're tough to catch unless you know what to look for. Oh, cool. Andy, you want to drop some eggs? 
Okay, so I'm actually going to tighten these up. I have uh, uh, not as many as I usually do, but I'm going to shorten it even even less to what I think are the most interesting things. Cool. Um, so the knot on the rope that beats Bond's nuts is ironically also called an Algerian love knot. He is obsessed with are this, man. Are you serious? I, do you no, realize how many... <laughs> he keeps coming back to this scene, dude. That was amazing. You really got me with that one. That is amazing. <laughs> I honestly thought you were being serious. I was like, that's yeah. crazy. Oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. No, I'll, I'll, I'll be serious now. So Daniel Craig initially rejected the part of James Bond as he felt the series had settled into a standard formula. He changed his mind when he read the script. Uh, in one afternoon shooting, three Aston Martin DB9 cars valued at 300000 each were destroyed for the car roll sequence. Oh my god. Yep. So they spent about a million dollars destroying three cars for that scene. Real quick, I saw the movie with Jacob the first time. And when that scene happened and the Aston Martin's flipping over, he turned to me and he said, that hurts me so bad. <laughs> if only he, he knew they did it three yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the scene that Steven loves, the shower scene. Uh, <laughs> Would you guys? <laughs> it, it was shot in one take, which is kind of cool. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. Eva Green probably felt super uncomfortable after the first one. She was like, we're not doing that again. Do you want me to be silent the rest of this pod? No, sorry. Continue. Okay, oh. so this is an interesting one. Uh, producers Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson didn't secure the rights to Casino Royale until 2000 when Sony exchanged them for MGM's right to Spider-Man. Mm. So I thought that's an interesting trade. So I wanted to ask you guys a question. So if you were a movie executive, which franchise would you rather have the rights to? Would you have made that trade? I mean, at the time, at the time, I think... Bond was probably the more established yeah. franchise. Yeah, there was no Tobey Maguire Spider-Man at that point. Yeah, no. yeah. I, I think at that not point... Not until that year. 2000. Two, yeah, 2000. Not, That's, yeah. 2000 is when uh, Spider-Man won. Came. No, 2002. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Two, yeah, 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 you're right. 2002. 2002. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, at the time, it's a no-brainer. You know? Get, get an established franchise that's a blockbuster hit almost every time. You can never have seen what happened. Exactly. Coming yeah, because Spider-Man, there were no like great successful superhero, superhero movies. Superhero movies. Well, I mean, the, the the Batman and Superman films existed, but... Right. It was... Kind of, okay, yeah. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Uh, so Daniel Craig lost his two front teeth while filming a fight scene in Prague. Mm -hmm. Oh. Mm -hmm. And his, so Solid. it was actually the first action sequence that they shot, and his dentist had to fly from London to replace them. Okay, so here's what we were talking about earlier where I said I'd come back to it about uh, Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan was initially asked back by the producer for this movie. Uh, I did not remember it being a record-breaking success, Die Another Day, but apparently it was. I don't know how, I don't remember how it was received critically, but apparently it made enough money to where they're like, this is a slam dunk no-brainer, we're making another one. Hmm. Uh, however, after seeing The Bourne Identity and other contemporary spy movies raise the bar on realism and physicality in spy movies, in addition to Pierce ag Pierce's agent reportedly demanding $30 million plus royalties for him to return as Bond, the producers reconsidered hiring Brosnan back. They opted to cast the role instead with a younger uh, Daniel Craig to reset the franchise. Mm -hmm. So Pierce Brosnan... Apparently, he kind of knew this franchise, the direction is not going to be for me anymore, based on how these films are probably going to be. Um, and he wanted a ton of money to even come back. Imagine, though, had Brosnan asked for less money and been up for the challenge of it, you know, the physicality or whatever, then it would have been even further down the line when they reboot. Daniel Craig has aged out by then. Who knows? <clears throat> Who knows if, like, the next you know, series of Bond movies would ever be as good as these. Yeah, there would be no Daniel Craig Bond movies. Crazy to me. So this is interesting. So Lashif's left eye is deformed and weeps blood. We, of course, know this. 
His girlfriend, Valenka, played by Ivana Milicevic, almost always has her hair styled to cover her left eye. She hides her eye in deference to his damaged one. That's interesting. I hadn't noticed that. I don't know if that's made up. Some fan just made that up and posted it on IMDb, but it's really interesting. It's very uh, clever and a very thoughtful detail. I would if, if never have noticed or thought about that. Well, I think it's because we only see her at Montenegro. And then when she's on the boat after she's been swimming, where she obviously doesn't have her hair styled. So. Yeah. But that's they, interesting. Mr. White kills her, right? Who? Is that implied? Um, yeah, because she, she went and let anybody walk out of yeah, there. They don't have she loose went ends. into that room along with Vesper. Vesper clearly survives, but I imagine that oh, one she of was those there? shots. I yeah, she was there. Yeah. She, oh. went, she, she, she takes Vesper into the other room where they're going to torture her. Wow. And then Lashif is the one that has Bond. No, she's dead. So she's yeah, gone. She's she's gone. gone. Okay. Yeah, maybe she should find a new boyfriend. She should have. She should have, yeah. <laughs> okay, last one. When M talks to James Bond about the financial loss Lashif has taken as a result of his plot in Miami being foiled, she mentions how the CIA discovered he was short sold large quantities of airline stocks after 9 11. Or she mentions how the CIA discovered that there was short selling in large quantities of airline stocks after 9-11. And when the stocks plummeted in the wake of the attacks, someone made a fortune. So this really was alleged to have happened in real life, as people noted seemingly suspicious stock trading the day before 9-11. But a thorough investigation by the FBI, among others, concluded there was no Al-Qaeda connection. That's so it's, kind of you know, scary to think. It is scary. You always follow the money. Man, so I, I think imagine? I had read that online before that, you know, some people, it probably was, it, it can't have been a coincidence, you know. But I've also remember reading, not to derail this, but I've also remember reading that, you know, it's, there there were like plenty of warning signs that an attack was going to happen, you know, not, not specifically, you know, this time, this day, World Trade Center, but a terrorist attack was incoming and, you know, but I guess they just didn't, um, either they didn't act on it, you know, with enough time or they didn't, whatever. But the case is, is that it wasn't like a complete and total shock and surprise to the entire world. There were still some in power that saw this coming and probably acted on it. Yeah, I agree. And that's it for me. Those are my eggs. You got anything else, B? The only other egg that I had was that uh, whenever Lashif is playing on, on the boat, with Madame Wu and the general, and he mentions that I have two pair and you have a 17.4% chance of making your straight. I think that was interesting that in the final round of the poker game at Casino Royale, he actually has two pair until the final card um, whenever he gets the full house. And talking about probabilities, it's interesting that a straight flush, I just looked this up by the way, so correct me if I'm wrong, but apparently the, the chances of getting a straight flush in poker is I mean less than one percent. It's actually point zero zero one four percent chance. One wow. in seventy two thousand. I just want to say one thing. I was listening to a podcast where they were criticizing uh, Alex Demetrius and his poker move uh, in the beach club against Bond. Mm-hmm. That's a small game, mm-hmm. five players total. Um, so real quick, I mean, you can just if you want to draw this out at home, you can. But the cards that were on the table, nine of diamonds. Three of hearts, ace of clubs, seven of hearts, and then the king of clubs. Okay? So with those cards right there, there is no chance for a straight. There's no chance for a flush. Those two high hands are gone. Alright? So basically you're looking at two pairs there. Maybe somebody has three of a kind. 
so we know that Demetrius gets has two kings. Okay, when he gets that last king on the river, that is an that's gold. Because basically at that point, if you know poker, you know there's no hand here. No hand that can beat me unless somebody has two aces. Which, for storytelling purposes only, Bond has two aces. That mm-hmm. is literally the only hand that could have beaten Demetrius. So for him to go all in on that hand, that was a no-brainer. Because the chances of that in a small game that Bond has two aces, slim to none. So... I can't, you can't criticize that as a dumb poker move. People are just like, oh, well, there was an ace on the board. So what? Literally, somebody there would have to have two aces to beat his hand. Otherwise, he's getting everything. Two aces. So, uh, yeah, it was just that he got unlucky. And because for story reasons, they needed Bond to win so they, they could tell the audience, hey, look, Bond is an amazing poker player wonder, and gets extremely lucky. I wonder if that's a little bit of foreshadowing, too, that Bond wins on a very, very slim chance. Because that's technically what happens later on, too. Yeah. And real quick, I want to talk about Bond's loss, okay? You can't criticize it. People sometimes like to criticize these poker scenes, and there's only a couple, you know, mistakes here and there. But um, the poker loss, okay? Jack of hearts, king of spades, ace of clubs, jack of diamonds, and king of diamonds. All right, so Bond at that point, we see his cards, and he has the absolute best full house that would be literally, again, just like in the first game where Demetrius had it. 99% of the time, he's going to win that hand. Bond, 99.9% of the time, is going to win the hand with that. That's why he was so comfortable going all in. Because nobody's going to beat him. I looked at it and I said, nobody's beating this guy. Unless you've got two jacks, which would give you four jacks total, four of a kind. Mm-hmm. Which, again, for story purposes only, Lashif has that. Mm-hmm. Because there's no way that he gets four of a kind against uh, uh, you know, a perfect full house like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the chances of that are one in a million. Mm-hmm. But again, for movie purposes, that's how it happened. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say the poker was not bad in this. I really liked it. The only two things I'm going to say, and these will be my nitpicks so that I don't have to talk about it later. Um, the, the last hand where everybody seems to have a better hand than the last guy, that's not realistic. That doesn't happen often. And the fact that Bond got a you know straight flush, that's incredible. But there's no way that that all four of those guys had monster hands, you know, and that Bond happens to win. The last thing is when they uh, decide to show their cards at the end, the guy who bet the most or re-raised is the one who shows first. So Bond should have been the first to show his cards, mm-hmm. followed by everybody else. I did but notice for, that. But for movie purposes, to make it more dramatic, yeah. they want Bond to go last so that you go, the, oh my gosh, you know? Yeah, build the suspense, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that's I, all I'm going to say about that. I did good, good poker in this movie, in my opinion. That's, that's cool. Thanks, man, for that. That's very interesting. Wow. Okay, we're still on eggs, right? I got just two. Uh, just to see uh, if you guys know, how much money did Obano, and this is directed to Edgar, who's seen the movie so many times that he's got to know the answer to this. Probably. How much money did Obano, who was the uh, African guy in the beginning, did he give to Lashif? He gave him a lot of money in those uh, suitcases, right. in the silver suitcases. How much was it? How much did of his money did uh, Lashif lose? Wasn't it $100 million? Do you guys know the answer? 
So I know how much money he lost in total. It was 101 right. million and right. change. And that's including other terrorists. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, mean, do I we know? think that we knew exactly how it much he did. Okay, we don't know. Is that correct, Pete? I don't, yeah, I don't remember catching that. Okay, I didn't know the answers to this, and I like rewatched certain scenes to see if I could figure it out. It doesn't seem to tell us. But I was curious, like, how much money does this guy have that he's so mad? <laughs> That he like if he had a, like a million bucks and he and that was all he had, I could see him being mad enough to where he take he takes a flight to Montenegro, right? Who knows how hard it was for him to get a flight there? <laughs> Buys a suit, which is the worst suit, by the way, I think out of everybody wearing. Or he had the worst co- color combination. It was not Brioni, is that he, what you're saying? He, <laughs> he brings a, a backup guy to go with him. Yeah, and he gets access just to get his money back. Like I'm thinking, what? Either he was really poor and only had a million bucks and he was just like, screw it, I will give my life to get my million bucks back, or was it that he had a lot of money? I'm like sure he gave it was fifty million or something I can, to I sure can answer some of that because I, I think I, I, I meant to research it for the pod and I forgot. So it was in the tens of millions of dollars mm. for sure that he gave him. And I can say that pretty confidently. Vesper carries a metal briefcase when she's withdrawn the money, and supposedly what was withdrawn was 120 million. I don't know how that all fit in one suitcase. I feel like that's uh, an error, or maybe some of it was withdrawn and some was still in the account. Maybe it wasn't all. I don't know. It was one flash drive of Bitcoin <laughs> <laughs> in in 2006. Yeah, the first Bitcoin in 2006. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, my understanding is you can hold a lot in big bills those suitcases will hold mm-hmm. in the millions apparently mm-hmm. okay I don't want to think that it was something like 50 million because then that'd be half of what Lashif lost he yeah. lost 101 million how much was it he lost 101 million 206 thousand dollars yeah yeah he calculated it in his head when he knew that it, that it didn't go right so, yeah, maybe it was in the tens of millions, 10, 20, 30, something like that. But the rest with, uh, was other guys' money. Yeah, it could be, yeah. All right, the other, last thing. Do you guys know uh, or the scene where he goes, you know, I always thought that M was just like some random letter oh, yeah. or whatever. I didn't know that it stood for. And she says, utter one more word and I'll have you killed. It always made me wonder, do you guys know what M stands for? Well, it has to be her name, but I don't know what it is. You and Any guesses? I, I don't know. I've never known. I always was curious. It's like, did it stand for like mother or something like that? Uh, it depends on who the M is. Typically, all the M's have an M uh, as the first initial of their first name or first initial of their last name. So in the case of Mallory, Mallory M yes. makes yeah, sense. I saw that. Yeah. Um, and it's not said in this movie and it's not said in Skyfall or Quantum. But uh, it's shown on something that she uh, that is left for Bond, I think, in one of the, in either Skyfall or Spectre. M's name is Olivia Mansfield, so Mansfield is what M stands for. I did not know nice. that. Wow, yeah. that's cool, huh? Yeah, that's interesting. <clears throat> all right, and that's all I got for eggs. So let's move on to Castaway. We can go through this pretty quick. You don't have any eggs, E. No, I, everything you guys said, that's what I had. All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> Castaway, who almost got casted? I only have one here. What do you got, Andy? So the the only serious person in contention for the role was Henry Cavill, but because he was only 22 years old, he was considered too young. He was. 22 yeah. is a little young. Yeah, I think. I think so. But some other actors that were considered for the part, uh, apparently they looked over 200 actors. 200? Uh, uh, Julian McMahon. I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. 
uh, Dominic West, Gerard Butler were some of them. Uh, also, Sam Worthington, Alex O'Loughlin, and Rupert Friend were also considered. And Hugh Jackman reportedly turned down the role. Oh, wow, that would have been interesting. You know who else almost got casted or got invited to the casting? Sean Ambrose himself. Do you know who that is? Dougree Scott. Unfortunately, I know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so they, they weren't. Nothing exactly. against the actor. One right, of the right, best right. villains Just of all time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In one yes. of the best movies of all time. Exactly. Right. But they weren't exactly gagging for him, so. <laughs> what they did was they went with Daniel Craig. That was well done, Edgar. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Very good. That was excellent. You glad you got that in? You happy now? <laughs> It's an honor to be here. He's going to edit it out. All right. Please invite me back. <laughs> I've just got one here that I thought was interesting. Uh, potential. It was between two in the end for Vesper. Uh, Ava Green and Olivia Wilde. I pictured it. And no. She's a bombshell. But I don't think she's pulling off a, a British accent. Especially at that time. No. And... Um, and Ava Green's just way better mm-hmm. in I every agree. way. I agree. So yeah. that was that was a yeah. They made the right choice. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. You guys got anything else? I can no? recast. Recast? Um, sure. Go ahead. Henry Cavill. I, I liked it. He was too young at the time, but I could definitely see him being Bond now. Okay. Yeah. Now and I would take him for mm-hmm. for Vesper. Emily Blunt. Interesting. I seriously think Emily Blunt is our go-to for so many. Because she's Dude. perfect, that's why. <laughs> she's she's really good. I've said this before, I'll say it again. If they ever did a female Bond, she's my only option. I, I want Emily I Blunt. I can see that, yeah. Emily Blunt, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, for actor swap, this is where we can swap one actor with another actor in the same movie, or we can swap uh, an actor with an actor from a different movie. So here's what I got, guys, and I don't know if you guys any, have any, anything to add to this, but I thought of the year, 2006, at the same time that this movie comes out, or the same year, MI3 comes out. So it had been a while since MI2, six years since MI2 came out, enough time for them to say, oh, why don't we just leave Tom Cruise alone and just let that be what it was. It was two movies, the first one was good, the second one was trash. Uh, I don't agree. And, uh, <laughs> and then we're rebooting Bond at the same time. So I thought, and this was interesting to me, what if they say, okay, we're going to reboot Bond, and we're going to reboot Mission Impossible? What if they chose Tom Cruise as Bond, and Daniel Craig as the new Ethan Hunt? Which movie gets better? Do they both get better? Does uh, Do you guys like it in any way? Is it interesting? I don't like hate it. hate them both. Like They're yeah. both much worse. Both worse. Yes, both worse. Both yeah. are worse? Yes. Yep. yep. For okay. sure. Explain it. Well, they already they were already bagging on Daniel Craig for being too different, and I think not tall enough was one of the things. Imagine Tom Cruise, and Daniel mm-hmm. Craig's not that short; he's like five ten or something like that. I'm interested what you think, Andy, because you're a big Tom Cruise guy, and we all know he's a fantastic actor. He is a fantastic. People would have lost their minds if he's now James Bond. Like okay. the 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 internet that didn't exist would have blown up, regardless mm-hmm. of what people might have thought. Picture the movie and tell me 
could he pull it off? He's would not, you, would you have not, been happy as with Tom Cruise's Bond? Would you have watched him and be like, right. dang, he did a good job? He makes There's no chance of that? He makes fantastic action movies, but he is not James Bond. James Bond is a character that I can't see Tom Cruise playing. And I love Tom Cruise. I'm one of the biggest Tom Cruise okay. fans in the world. He's not even British. This shouldn't even be a conversation. You don't have to be from that country. You me. have to at least pretend you're British if you're in MI6. Yeah. Sorry. But again, he's a talented Tom, actor. I'm just throwing this out it. there. Yeah, yeah, he's not doing it. Okay, and what about Daniel Craig as the new Ethan Hunt? You don't think he could pull it off? He's a great actor, too. Maybe he could pull that off, but still, it's... I guess So because... that's basically what I'm getting at. Mission Impossible would be better, but Bond would be worse. No, right? no, no. But, I don't know if I can but we're not saying that either. Yeah. yeah, no, Tom Cruise is Ethan Hunt. He is Mission Impossible. Yeah. You have to take out all the movies that come after it, though. Even with the first two. I mean, it, okay. he is Ethan Hunt to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I just thought I I'd throw agree. that out there. That's something I'm going to be doing on all future pods, just so you know. Is upsetting us? Is, is, uh, <laughs> is swapping. Well, no, because sometimes interesting questions can be posed no I, I really do like I really do this is I, I don't know if our listeners caught this but this actor swap is a new um, portion of the Castaway segment that we introduced in season 2 and one of the ones that a possibility is one that I had in mind where you swap one actor in this movie with another in the same movie yeah and um, I was thinking just for the fun of it if Daniel Craig was Lashif and if Mads was Bond. I had that too. Just just yeah. to see. Because Mads Mikkelsen has a very like evil looking face, you know? But I mean, you change his hair a little bit, change his style. They he, say that they say that this was a departure for him because he typically plays really nice, empathetic people. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a nice guy. I could get on board with Daniel Craig being the chief. Like I think that would work. I can't see Mikkelsen being Bond. Being Bond. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, Daniel Craig as a villain, I think he could. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We can skip this next part. Uh, I don't have anything for say a line in this from this movie as a different character. Or Which actor. I'm so. sad to hear. Yeah, I, I just, always like your impressions. Yeah, I had I had one in mind, but I was like, you know what? It's not even that funny. So, nah. Uh, hit it takes. Ease patience. Here we go. Ease uh, too expensive to buy at retail. Do we All right, let him I go love, first, love, or does he go no, last? No, he goes last, because we that's going to be like the final word on it. You know, I'm so glad that he's here for this. Uh, he, just so you know, this is my favorite category in Hit a Taste. Absolute favorite. We just have so much fun thinking about what you would think about certain I think we uh, all voted this products one. Products and things that would be bought. Yeah, it didn't win, but, but we, we all voted, voted for it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, and for me... Uh, if I can start, it's the villa at the Ocean Club. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Because what happens is that she goes like, he's like, "Do you have anything?" And she's all like, "We got an, uh, we got an, what is it, a ocean view villa or something like that?" Yes. And he's like, "Perfect, I'll take it." Just hands her the card. Like he's stopping there, and he's gonna be like, "Well, how much is it exactly?" Like, <laughs> or I could just go to another hotel if it, you know. I have a feeling that that's what would happen. That's you know, just me. And because of that, I looked that up. It's 12500 a night. Woo! In the villa. All right. So we'll find out for me later. And then, Don't say anything yet. He's like, how about a room instead? Well, the room, sir, is 2100 yeah. a night. It's like, okay. 
Yeah, and then I think the, I saw a Days In on the way. <laughs> the, the, the second one that I had was the five million dollar rebuy. I feel like he'd be like uh, Vesper, how much is that rebuy again? And she's like five million. I'm not. I'm not. You know, gonna stay. I'm not putting. I'm not gonna let you rebuy. And he's like, oh, I totally understand. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just like, gonna. That is way too much money. Let's just go home. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna stab him, and we'll yeah. call it a day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Andy. Okay, so I. I usually only have one, but I have two for this one. So the first one is Gettler's half glasses, half sunglasses. Even if they were free, he overpaid. Those are hideous, man. Yeah. I don't get the why. There has to be a reason why for that character to have one side of his glasses be sunglasses, the other one just clear lens. Sure, it's well, just well, too both, I'm sure it's per- it's a prescription. It's, like he can still see out of both. It's not. And one's just got like the tinting. I thought it was just like a here's a clear giveaway. This is who you're looking for, and it's evoking like Lashif image mm-hmm. okay uh, that may be a callback to some other bond villain from the 60s or could something be like that. too I, I just don't know okay so my real answer uh the item that was too expensive was the cost of finding out the chief's tell it cost bond hundreds of thousands of dollars to figure out what his tell was and he tells Vesper like it's okay because we found it his tell it's like no no i don't not think for so you. Not for you. <laughs> like, i spent half a million to find out that he touches his forehead <laughs> that's a good pick what, what I wrote down is, you know, so much of this stuff is so expensive. And uh, even though it's all being charged to MI6, so I see E as the accountant at MI6, and he's just like, what the blue? Why? Why does he need to get all this stuff? Like, first of all, he stayed at the Ocean Club. Yeah. Then he ordered a $400 bottle of freaking champagne and yeah. then beluga caviar, which for two ounces of it is $2,000. And he didn't even eat any of that. Wow. In fairness, though, not to interrupt you, he did get her killed. So she deserved a nice last meal. Okay, that's a good point. That is a good point. And then I'll also throw this in. Oh, sorry. Uh, Yeah, it's like also E as the accountant. He's probably the one who authorized him, like, renting a Ford in the Bahamas. Like, Bond probably asked, he probably asked for, like, the Aston Martin. And then he's like, nah, the Ford's got four wheels, doesn't it? That's good enough. Yeah. It'll get you there. And then, uh, and then while we were watching it, Edie says that uh, E as the foreman of the construction site. Uh, in Madagascar. He's like, what the heck? Who's going to pay for all this destruction? <laughs> he ran through this, a wall. This is going to set me back years. Oh my god. This, this guy came in. He totally wrecked my my job site. Someone's it's, dead. I have to pay off their family oh so they gosh. don't sue me. Wow. So yeah. That's bad. That's, those, are, those are the ones I got. All right. Edgar, Man, tell those, us. Those what? are all great picks. Thank you. All Thank great picks. We all. love thinking about it. Yeah. That was amazing. That That's something... But my actual answer is unfortunately very boring. It's oh. because James Bond, it's like, so I have a job. I'm fortunate to have a job where I can go out on these little excursions, yeah. you could say. And I can go to any restaurant that I want, stay almost wherever I want. And I never think about money because it's not my money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And in James Bond's case, it's not his money. Right. He doesn't even have to think, how much does this cost? He's just going to do it. Because he needs to accomplish his mission. So in this particular case, it's somebody else's money. So there is no ease patience here. You're just going to do it. That's oh, not an answer. You can't answer that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't, do not like. All Don't right. Like. I think uh, Edgar should actually start on this next one. What is Sally's called it moment mm-hmm. in this movie? Man, that, so I think this one, if I remember correctly, as soon as Vesper arrives... She's like, she's in on it. <laughs> There's no way. Bro. 
There's I wrote times, that down. There are times down. where five minutes into the movie, she tells me who the bad guy is. Did she read like the Wikipedia's right. before? No. Are you sure? I'm a hundred. I'm a hundred percent sure. Well, let's think about this logically. How is it possible? She just gets how? lucky. How? I don't know how. Trust me, I don't know how. That Powers. was also my answer, by the way. Yeah, that, that was, was mine too. That was, yeah. No, mine was that Mathis is a bad guy. I think I thought that she would like think oh, that as soon as he's introduced. Yeah, that could be. That could be. Yeah. But no, I, my pick was Vesper too. As soon as she get shows up, pretty much. Yes, pretty much. That's how she does things, man. I. It's ne- weird. Next time we watch a movie together, you just sit next to her. Okay. And I'm going to tell her to talk to you instead. Yeah, yeah oh. and I'm going to I'm going to tell her you better not have read the Wikipedia. She doesn't read the Wikipedia, I promise. Okay. <laughs> Bees vexing issues. We can probably go quicker on this, guys. I wrote down the um, the code that he types for the bank password whenever they ask him for it and then later he says it spells Vesper, it doesn't. Right. Yeah. I had that too. Yep. So, there's that. Yeah. Uh, also, I wrote down that when the uh, the warlords uh, break in into the sheep's room, they're gonna cut you know the girl's arm off. The other guy's arm is underneath it. You know what's he gonna do? Move out the way at the last second? That machete is gonna like at least nick him. You uh, know that's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Also, that is good. Whenever. What's her name? Lashif's girlfriend? I don't remember. Okay, well, she drops the poison. It's like Malenka or something like that. She drops Valenka. the... Okay, so she drops the poison into Bond's Vesper drink, but there's two of them on the tray before the server takes it, so she got pretty lucky picking the right one that she was going to serve. Because I saw two. I saw two of them. Yeah, she knew which one she put it in. She put it in the right one. Well, yeah, but she didn't deliver the drinks is the point. The waitress did. Oh. Yeah. So how did she know the waitress was going to serve that one? They were probably both poisoned. Watch Mr. <laughs> Mr. Fukutu just like drops over dead <laughs> at the poker table. Oh and it's gosh. like, crap, I have to do another one. That's true. So I did that, and then also I wrote down that, you know, Vesper might have actually lived if Bond actually knew how to do freaking CPR. He tried for all of 10 seconds. He, that's it, and then made out with her unconscious body. That's okay. not how you do CPR. Call, all right, that's Give me just a, a freaking break. That, that offends people me. Get, you take that back people right People get, now. like, resuscitated you with back good, that making out with the unconscious body part. A good 90 part. seconds. You are insulting my hero, James Bond. That's what he did. I will not stand for that. I want a public apology that's right now. That's what he did. Is that, is that not what he did? All of our listeners that's what want he did. an apology. Andy, is that not it, what he did? I want you to take it back right now, I don't want to get involved. Right, take it back. That's what he did. You're getting an opportunity Right now. Anybody who watches the movie no. will see that that's exactly what he no, did. No, he, he's not gonna make out with an unconscious body. That's what he did. No, he watch did. it. Watch it again. Watch it. Oh, I'm getting up. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. That's all I got. All right. Wait, wait, all right, wait. I got one. Okay. 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 Uh, in Miami, when Bond checks the message that Demetrius just sent to Terminator guy, mm-hmm. it has the same date timestamp as when Bond was in Africa. The same date and timestamp that Malacca or whatever his name, the African guy, got. Good catch. So it's just like that was obviously a goof. They used the same screenshot or whatever, the same text message, you know, uh, to reuse it in that scene. And it was a goof. But they were like, hopefully nobody caught it. Good catch. I caught it. Yeah. Yeah. I had one. Did you have one? Yeah, I have some, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So I had two, actually. Whenever the Terminator guy is gonna is on his way to blow up the plane, you know, and he, I think Bond jumps out or something, and and he's gonna detonate it, you know, he how, how come he can't hear the beeping sound? He does hear it, but, but he hears late. it at the very he hears end. it too late. 
Yeah, yeah. that like, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the beeping has already begun, and they show you he, he the yeah. beep has already happened. Was, and he just oh, goes, you're talking about the the the, 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 the momentary uh, beeps, like the beep. Beep, not the beep, 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 yeah. He, s- he sends no. a text message immediately getting out of the car. Yeah. He could have sent it from inside the car or even when he yeah. got into the club. Yeah, that was a little bit of lazy writing there. Oh, he sent it? He didn't receive it? And he sees the one that sent it, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He sent it to the bomb. Well, maker. I mean, they're, they're had, they had different cameras, right? So if it was wrong on that particular disc that Bond was looking at, he would have just pulled out the other discs. To I see know, which but, camera oh God, might have caught it. But, but the point luck. is, well, it was the luck. point is, Demetrius didn't do it while driving a mile away before reaching the Ocean Club. <laughs> exactly. He waited until he got out of the car that was, was parking in front of and camera. in perfect view of the camera to hit send on he that message. He yeah. could have sent it at home. Yeah, <laughs> that's could have sent it five seconds before getting out of the car. That's yeah. valid. Yeah, and then Bond would get nowhere. It's it's a what do you call a MacGuffin? No, no, um, <laughs> almost convenient. What is it when you call that when it's like something that's forced for the story? Oh, I can't remember the, the well, term for it. Yeah. There's a term for it. We're not screenwriters. You, yeah. you can tell we're not yeah. writers. Anyways, that was it. Good picks. Okay, so I'll share mine real quick. Just uh, I'll share one. I'll tell you guys later off mic. Uh, my other ones. Uh, James Bond is really bad at tailing people. Um, when he's in Africa, the bomb maker. You guys know what James realizes. Bond means to me, and look at what you guys are doing. You're just desecrating him. Oh, uh, wait till we get to Bourne, man. Oh my God. Uh, the bomb maker in Africa immediately realizes Bond is tailing him. Mm-hmm. Demetrios realizes Bond is tailing him. Mm-hmm. The terrorist in the Miami airport realizes Bond is tailing him. Mm-hmm. He's really bad, and so I'm going to attribute this to him being a fresh 007. He hasn't been doing it long enough, but yeah, he gets he's better. really bad at tailing people. Yeah. So that's the one that I'll choose to share. <laughs> Why are you so mad, Steven? Relax. It's personal for Steven. <laughs> Spoiler alert, considering his fate, couldn't you be a little more kind to the guy? Hey, he I mean, gets seriously. better. He gets better and better. Just You're just desecrating over this dead man. <laughs> okay, let's go to the other hit of takes now. Okay. <clears throat> let's see if I can get through this. <laughs> Miji style trial. It's Bond. I put Bond's Tux or Vesper on the sailboat. I put Vesper. I put Vesper. Cadence laugh out loud moment. When Bond sucks Vesper's fingers in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> I put... I changed mine to that. I put Bond getting whacked in the nuts. Jeez. I've I, got when uh, Bond says, that's because you know what I can do with my little finger. That's a good that's one. That's a good one, yeah. I think it's that. Yep. Iris's I hate kids moment. Uh, it's the kids on the beach. Yeah, I put that too. Laughing and chasing after Solange on the horse. Yeah, I put Bond getting whacked in the nuts because he will no longer be able to have kids. <laughs> Jeez, got... that's a good one. My God, I've got the African kid who brings the drinks to Obano and Mr. White. He just takes over Obano's pinball game after that. Oh, good. That's a good yeah, pick. Yeah, and I would think that I would be like, "What the heck? Yeah, it's not your turn. You need to ask permission if yeah. you want to play on the pinball." Yep. Chile's yep. most hated tech. Uh, I put definitely just all the spying in general, but uh, I, I said he would absolutely hate that chip in James's arm. 
he would rip that out himself with that's his true. teeth if he had to. I, I think that that's the answer. That's the best answer. I think yeah. that's the best answer. I'm not even going to give mine. <laughs> yeah. All right, nieces, that's not funny, honey moment. I got nothing. I put Bond getting whacked in the nuts. <laughs> mine was... Uh, what? Everything is just that scene with Andy. Yeah, you're obsessed with that scene, dude. But funny enough, mine is from that same scene. It's where Bond says, I've got an itch down there. Oh, yeah. You know, and... <laughs> And then when he goes to the left, to the left, it's to the right. Oh, it's to the yeah, yeah. yeah. You're thinking Beyonce. To the left. Oh the yeah. Left. Everyone's laughing, and she's like, "No, it could cause serious damage." Yeah. <laughs> Andy's vacation spot. There's so many in this movie. Ocean I'm, Club, Lake Como. I'm between Ocean Club and Venice, maybe. Like, yeah, I even wrote down the hospital that James stays in. Okay, so... That's too boring for Andy, though. What's he going to do there? It's super nice. Here we go. I wrote down four, and I'll go in reverse order. Number four, the Ocean Club in Paradise Island in the Bahamas. Number three, the train in Montenegro. Number Mm. two, Villa del Balbanielo, Lake Como, Italy, Mm. where him and Vesper at. The winner was Mr. White's house in Italy. That's good. Good. I didn't even think about that, because it's only like a minute of Uh that. Wow. Yeah, that spot, Perfect. That house, perfect. Nice. Okay, um, Jay's chef kiss. She already told me what the answer is. It's Bond. We can yeah, Daniel Craig. Are you kidding? It's Bond. I no. wrote. She told me during the movie. She was like, "What are you gonna put for that?" And I said, "I was gonna put this." And he's like, "It's Bond." I wrote down Mathis, and uh, <laughs> but more seriously, Felix Leiter. Dang, I wrote something completely yeah. different, but I must have misunderstood the question. What did you write? I wrote down the Merc from Bali, you know, the African drug lord, because he sits on the couch. Warlord. His, his, what did I say? You said drug lord. Warlord, oh. excuse me. He sits on the couch, you know, he's, he's super cool, he's got his bottle of soda. Yeah, is it soda or is it like a dark beer? I think it's soda. I think it's like Coca-Cola, and maybe. His, his I think it's red stripe. Hooray, beer! <laughs> <laughs> It's just the epitome of manliness, you know? He's yeah. just sitting there. It's, that's pretty boss. he's black. Yeah. Which might evoke some feelings for her. Yeah. Did you guys, like, talk about this? And no. Usually, like, we're going to tag team on no. Steven today, and we're just going to completely get him to rage? No. no, no You've no. gotten me to rage on this pod. All right. <sighs> okay. S is losing it moment right now. <laughs> so I put Bond getting whacked in the nuts. <laughs> Again with this. Andy, I actually put that too. Uh, Andy, you have a problem. You can check my notes. That's just... Why would I get excited about that, Andy? I didn't, I didn't view it as getting excited. More That's like, what that means. Losing it's because I'm getting excited. Well, I have... I'm like, yeah! <laughs> and you think Bug get whacked, and I'm just like, yes! Yes! Oh! He's doing it. No! I'm not doing that. I ha- I have I have it in my notes as OMG moment. So the moment is like, oh wow, they went there. Like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening. Oh not that you were excited by it. That'd be weird. So that'd be weird, like sucking fingers. I wrote down when James wins the poker game okay. or the very very last line. The name's Bond. You you got really good ones. What'd you, good. what'd you put? I put down a different one. Though those are excellent answers. They're all they're both valid. When Bond attaches the bomb to the Terminator guy in Miami, oh, good one. that for me, when Bond, when, he, when the explosion happens and you just see Bond smiling, yeah, like a psycho <laughs> smiling, yeah, dude blew up, yeah. he probably blew up in half. All right, Casino Royale, guys, great movie, love it. We're on to last looks. We're on to last looks. 
Let's briefly discuss the sequels or present sequel ideas if none were ever produced. We know that four sequels were uh, produced if, for this. Movie. Yeah, I was going to say, if I may, we cannot briefly discuss the sequels. No. There's just way too much to say. I also wrote down that E will have, quote, forgotten Quantum, and I will rage about Spectre, and Steven will want to avoid No Time to Die altogether. Yes, that is correct. Uh, I do not want... Edgar present when we talk about Quantum of Solace. <laughs> you probably don't want me there. I don't. I don't Be- want to be there. Because here, here's, the th- <laughs> here's the thing, man. I would have gladly had you to have a discussion on it. You could even be on the other side of it as you are. But you, at a certain point, made certain comments about Quantum that told me I can't have a, even like a reasonable conversation with you about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you're, you're too far extreme on the other side. I think for me to be able to in any way try to reason with you or you for for you to accept anything you're just like you've made up your mind so you're totally right yeah, yeah. so uh that can't happen but at, at a certain point i would like to talk about quantum i'm sure we will all right our final scores for this movie i gave it an a i sorry i didn't mean to interject but uh, i gave it a solid b plus okay because of the length of it is a little hard to rewatch over and over. It is a good two and a half hours. Yeah. Uh, and also, the entire thing is a very long Sony commercial. I mean, you've got it all. <laughs> there's a, there's you, a lot of products. You know, you want a Bravia, you want a Vio, an Ericsson, you want yeah. Blu ray. Dude, that GPS on the Ericsson, I wanted that. The moment I saw the movie, I said, Where do I get this phone? <laughs> Why do you want GPS like that? It looks so cool. To track people? It, no. the on, on the phone. Yeah. Like while phone. he's driving. When he's driving the Ford Focus or Fiesta, whatever it is, and he's going to the Ocean Club. Oh, and he's going to the Ocean yeah. Club. Yeah. He, he pulls up the yes. phone and you see that GPS and it looks really cool. Pretty sure the Ericsson Sp- can't do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably not. Exactly. But it looks cool. Anyways, B+. Plus. Andy? A-. minus. A-. minus, okay. A- minus for me. A-. minus. A-. Whoa, minus. so I gave it the best score. Well... It would I thought you would have gone A+. Plus. It would have been higher, but the interactions between Bond and Vesper are just a little too... too On this crazy. latest rewatch. Yes. Okay, yes, we'll, exactly. edit the, we'll edit the following part out. <laughs> but <laughs> other than that, yes, it was an excellent movie. It's my favorite Bond movie, for real. My favorite Bond movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's still my favorite, actually. Even, man, Skyfall is right there. But I think this one still is my favorite, and it is a very small margin. When we cover Skyfall in the pod at some point in the future, I will dive into why um, it's not my favorite. Hmm. I have not rewatched No Time to Die. That one might move up pretty quickly. But for right now, Casino Royale is still yeah. the winner for me. Yeah. I have been thinking about it in the back of my brain as we do this pod, which is superior to me. Uh, I haven't made a decision. I have to watch Skyfall again. So what That's I'm fair. going to actually do, and I've been waiting, I've been holding off on watching, on rewatching these movies because of this. I said, we'll wait for the Casino pod. I'll watch Casino. And then I'm going to watch Quantum, Skyfall, Spectre. And finally, after two years, I'm going to watch No Time to Die. Finally. I'm ready. I'm finally ready. Good. So um, I'm going to watch all those movies and then I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you guys privately and let you know what I think. Okay. We're looking forward to it. All right. Ladies and gents, this is the end of the season two premiere. Thank you for joining us on this pod uh, dedicated to Casino Royale. 
We hope that you've enjoyed it. We hope that you got some laughs out of it. Out of it. And just to let you know, I love these guys. I love everybody here. Whether or not you hear us fight and bicker about all this stuff, dude, at the end of the day, these are my boys. These are my, my ride or die guys. So uh, thanks, guys, for being here. Edgar, special thank you to you for joining us on this podcast. Can we give a little round of applause? Can. All right. We will see you on the next pod for Remember the Titans. Uh, great movie. We'll talk about that. And uh, I guess we'll just end by saying cut. <laughs>